comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. Welcome to Comic Book Logic. I'm your host, Joe, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Kevin. Hey. Hey. Uh, emo Kevin. I got uh, I got some alien goo on me, and now... Uh, I gotta go back to work on a hot topic. Now, <laughs> now I'm emo again. <laughs> it's perfect. There's, uh, there's some new, brand new uh, songs out now, so the timing couldn't be better. Kevin laughs, but actually, just the other week, he was telling me about how he's into emo music again. There's an emo revival. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the 2007 emo-tastic <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Yay! Yeah, there's no subtitle. This no is uh, before we were doing that. Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Uh, the Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> no, that was two, The Secret of the Ooze. I know, but I, this has ooze in it, so I'm oh, saying it's the Secret of this ooze. Secret of um, emo ooze. Uh, and so we're going to start off this podcast like we start off every one of our podcasts. Kevin, what did you know about any of these characters, Gwen Stacy, Sandman, or the Venom? Ah, well, Venom, uh, I know, he, he, he got his start in the 80s, and I know everybody liked him for a while. He was cool because he was all black, and he, he had was. the tongue and the sharp teeth. Uh, couldn't really tell you anything about him, though. <laughs> Gwen Stacy at the time, I kind of know about her now, but uh, I couldn't have told you anything about her at the time. Yeah. And uh, who else? Who's the other one? The Sandman. The Sandman. Or as as he is in this movie, the Sad Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Can't spell Sandman without Sad Man. man. <laughs> uh, nothing. Our... And in fact, I've seen this movie now, and I still don't think I can tell you anything about the Sandman. Uh... Or Venom. <laughs> or, or Venom. Yeah. Um, I know Venom's mad. Uh, I, so Venom, uh, as a character, I guess his motivation is that he's mad for getting called out for plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, for, for faking a photo. Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, it's about ethics and journalism. <laughs> it's, what is it? What is it the, this is like the broken glass of, uh, or shattered glass of, yeah. uh, of the comic book movie universe. <laughs> Hashtag Venomgate. <laughs> Oh, that was a terrible movie. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna do these in in chronological order. So the first person to appear in the Mar in uh, the Marvel Comics universe is the Sandman, who first appeared in the Amazing Spider-Man number four in 1963, created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, of which the crazy Eastern European family of the Ditkoviches are named after in this movie. Oh, Sandman uh, was originally named William Baker. Born in Queens, of course, because everyone in the Marvel Universe has to be born in New York. Hey, we're all from New York, you know what I'm saying? This is like, I'm as New York as Spider-Man and the Sandman. 
<laughs> really crappy pizza. Um, he was a uh, he actually he was a, a small time uh, thug crook. Uh, took on the name of uh, Flint Marco in in prison. Uh, as his original name, as I said, was William Baker. <laughs> I need to get something uh, related to rocks somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just in case. Um, a lot of this is is of course retrofitted uh, into the character. Uh, but he was <laughs> so he escapes Rikers Island like you do, sure. and uh, he stumbled onto a beach where they were doing uh, nuclear testing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he became infused with the powers of sand <laughs> rather than just die. Yeah, <laughs> so he's a character who can essentially control sand. Now I know what you're thinking. That uh, so, how many pieces of sand technically constitutes a Sandman? It's it's the it's the heap hypothesis, you know, like how many particles and how many grains of sand constitutes a heap, and if you take one away, it's still a heap. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So actually, Sandman's consciousness can be distilled down to one grain of sand. As long oh. as that one grain of sand is still there, he can maintain his consciousness in the sand. <laughs> so there you go on that one, and he uses this immense power by creating giant sledgehammers out of sand. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> sure, and his weaknesses are water and concrete, ah. amongst other things, and heat. I was going to say superheated, yeah. and then turning struck, into glass. Yeah. Struck by lightning, he can be turned into glass. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of those characters who can, who's kind of. Uh, straddled the fence between good and evil he's been a good guy sometimes he's even been a member of the avengers really? um he's also been a bad guy uh more times than ever member of the sinister six all of like the spider-man's rogue gallery as i said he appeared in spider-man number four so you know he's one of the original villains on the I list i don't remember him being in the spider-man the aforementioned spider-man, spider-man cartoon, cartoon maker yeah uh, i don't think he was in it he probably was because he's got a very classic design of the green and black striped sweater and like <laughs> right. this weird like the blues clues guy or something. yeah he's got this really weird steve steve ditko um very famous uh, artist from marvel comics he had this thing where um he, a lot of his characters had this like helmet hair with like Charlie Brown squag, squ- like like hatched <laughs> lines on it that would okay. go around it. Yeah. Like he had it. Um, uh, the Osbournes had it. Hmm. Like it was. It's really weird and it's very Steve Ditko. And you're like, when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, that's Steve Ditko. So whenever you see that type of artwork, you can immediately recognize it as Steve Ditko because of just the way the hair is drawn. Uh, Steve Ditko, of course, is very very like. Everything that you know about Spider-Man comes from Steve Ditko. Like, all of, like, the design work and all of the classic villains come from Steve Ditko. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he, as I say, he's he's been around forever. Gwen Stacy uh, first popped up in The Amazing Spider-Man number 31 in December of 1965. She was the original love interest for Peter Parker. Um, she was kind of, like, this sexy blonde girl. She dated Harry. She dated... Um, Flash Thompson in high school. Uh, Peter's always pining. He's like, oh, Gwen Stacy, why won't you go out with me? Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, she does go out with him and becomes like Peter Parker's girlfriend. Um, I think when they're, by the time that he gets to college, they're they're dating at the time. Her dad, of course, is the chief of police, uh, Captain Stacy. Works. He played, played in this movie by uh, Jimmy Cromwell mm-hmm. from the Academy Award nominated James Cromwell from Babe <laughs> and the movie Species. Sure. And Star Trek, First Contact. Let's see how many other James Cromwell thinks. <laughs> he played the president in Some of All Fears. Welcome um, to Cromwell cast. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, her most famous thing is is that she was killed in the comics as Peter's girlfriend. Um, you know, I say she first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 31. Uh, 
however, the secondary, the Betty to her Veronica or Veronica to her Betty, Gwen, um, um, Mary Jane Watson also appeared around the same time. And Stan- I, get, I get a definite vibe that uh, Mary Jane is uh, the Betty. She thinks she's the I Betty. Think so. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. At least in this comic, I think yes. she's more the Betty. Uh, this she's this more movie. the Betty. I think in the comic she's more of a Veronica, but uh, you know maybe she's a Samantha. I don't know. Uh, she first uh, when Mary Jane Watson first appeared, Stanley really liked writing for Mary Jane as opposed to Gwen Stacy. So Gwen Stacy kept getting pushed back, pushed back because Mary Jane was a far more interesting character. Uh, that led to the famous thing after Stan Lee finished writing the books, Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas, um, were working on the, on Spider-Man and they decided to kill off Gwen Stacy. And so they had Green Goblin take her up to the Brooklyn Bridge and hold her hostage. And, uh, and he lets her go and Spider-Man tries to save her. He's too late. She's already dead. Um, that's kind of retconned in a lot of ways. Like I didn't know about this until much later, you know, because of course I didn't start reading comics till the nineteen late eighties, early nineties. Is that um, I always thought that Spider Man had accidentally killed Gwen Stacy because he uses his his, his whip webs and grabs her by the ankle and he finds out that she's dead. In the in the graphic novel Marvels, it turns out that you find out that Spider Man using the web to grab her ankle snapped her neck because <laughs> of physics. <laughs> and uh, I always thought that was like what really happened, but no, that was actually retcon with Alex Ross when he wrote and when he he did the artwork and, and the design work for uh, the miniseries Marvels. Uh She's like she's kind of a fan favorite. Like she always kind of reappears and appears. Um, she's technically like dead in the true Marvel universe, but in like alternate universes, she she was like the one who got bitten by the spider and not Peter Parker. Ah. So there's a comic out now That's called fun. called Spider. Um, or it's I'm not sure of the actual title of the comic, but her character is known as Spider Gwen. Spider Gwen, and it's, she's got a fantastic costume design. I don't care for that. She's in a <laughs> she's in a punk rock band called the Mary uh, Mary Janes. I like that. Yeah, don't well, care for that title. Spider Gwen? <laughs> no, don't care for it. It's like, who is this Spider Gwen? Gwen, do you have any idea? <laughs> you ever notice how you never see Gwen and Spider Gwen in the same place? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I think I think it's Spider Girl in the actual. I think this is the actual yeah. comic, but I. I She's known as Spider Gwen amongst the fans. I mean, a fantastic comic and a, a fantastic uh, um, costume design on her. She's it's it's really wonderful. Now for Venom, I know we're. I, I promise I won't stay too late on Venom. Venom is everything that is wrong with the comics in the 1990s. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, actually, uh, Venom first appeared as the symbiote. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go. Let's get into a little bit of the background first. So, the idea of the Venom costume and the idea of Venom actually was created by a Marvel Comics fan, uh, who from named Randy Schuler from Norridge, Illinois. Hey, Norridge, Illinois, which I did some research on. No not known for is. anything other than the birthplace and then the hometown of Dino Stamatopoulos, the, the writer of stuff like on Conan and he always oh. appears, he starburns on community in case oh, yeah there you go so that's the only thing that's known from Norridge Illinois <laughs> uh they paid him 22 uh $220 for the character of, of Venom which went on to become one of the most famous characters of the 1990s uh he first appeared as the symbiote in the Secret Wars number eight Spider-Man's costume gets destroyed they go to this big alien planet the Beyonder has like this computer that creates him a new costume and it's all black it's great so then it turns out that this symbiote suit is actually alive, mm-hmm. and it starts messing with, with uh, Spider-Man. So in Amazing Spider-Man number 300, he first appears in the, in the full costume. That, that happened in May 1988. 
Um, so then all of a sudden it starts taking over. And in the 1990s, Ven- the Venom suit, he had to fight off the Venom suit. And uh, it gets, you know, he takes it out just like he does in the movie with the with the bell in the tower. And it goes on to Eddie Brock, who had, who Peter Parker had humiliated. And Brock wants nothing to do but wants revenge against Parker. And guess what the symbiote wants? Revenge against Parker. So they form up together. And Todd McFarlane drew him with really big jaws and teeth in the 1990s. And he was like, oh, he's so popular. Let's not make him a villain anymore. Let's make him a hero. Mm. So then 1990s, you have a, a, a limited series called Venom, Lethal Protector, where he goes on and, and he fights as a good guy and redeems himself and becomes friends with Spider-Man. So then they have to create another symbiote that's the bad guy because now they're one symbiote who was a bad guy is a good guy. So now you have Carnage, which is an extreme version of Venom where he drinks Mountain Dew and does the X Games. <laughs> as I say, Venom is pretty much everything that was wrong with the 1990s. Oh, boy. Your shots are so good. I'd love to shoot you sometime. Peter Parker. Peter. Parker! Miss Brent? That's not the position I hired you for. Black suit Spider-Man. Peter, these are incredible. You gotta have these, Jonah. I'll pay you the usual rate. If you want the shots, I'll take the staff job. Double the money. All right, so... Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Start off, things are going pretty well for Spider-Man. Yeah. He's, he's having a, he's having a, uh, a wonderful time. Good old time. A good old time. Saving people, whipping around the city. Everybody Mar- likes Spider-Man. He's all over the place. Yeah. He's, Kids got Spider-Man costumes. He, yeah. He's going, he's a... Uh, He's his his girlfriend is is yeah, in a Broadway production, getting, getting some on the regular. <laughs> uh, she's in a Cole Porter musical, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, mm. you know, whatever. A very short Cole Before Porter musical. Where she just walks in, opens up. She does delivers one musical number, and then it can we, ends. Can we talk about how much I love that scene? Because it's like she comes out and singing and. Uh, I know that, like, she gets really bad reviews, and I know that she's not supposed to be great. And, uh, like, she was pretty bad. And, like, when I was watching, I'm like, oh, this is painful. This is going on far too long. And I'm like, oh, okay, the critics don't like this. I, I, so <laughs> you, maybe it was an intentional choice. one musical number <laughs> yeah. is kind of problematic. There are two more. <laughs> and then... But the best part is, is like you see Peter in the audience. He's watching her, and he's all yeah. excited about it. And then it pans up, and you see Harry Osborn sitting <laughs> in his box seat, <laughs> just going scowling. <laughs> he's just scowling. <laughs> it's so wonderful. I love what they did with Harry in this movie. It's so amazingly <laughs> bad that it like makes the movie better for me. Sure, because he's constantly going like. I'll get you, You, Pete. Exactly. (laughs) You jerk. (laughs) So Peter, of course, after the thing, he sees Harry there. He's like, hey, Harry, we need to talk. But your dad getting stabbed in the crotch. Your dad kind of stabbed himself in the crotch. I know that's far less plausible, but... If only some guy will tell you about it at the end of the movie. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. You won't believe me. Maybe you'll believe an old man. Maybe you'll believe Jeeves. <laughs> um, so, so of course, after this, you know, uh, Harry puts on the goblin outfit and he goes to chase after Peter at Spider-Man. And he gets, uh, he gets amnesia from like a, like falling into yeah. a wall or let's, something let's like talk that. about that that whole sequence because <laughs> it's so good i i i i liked it but it was also like i was like are they, 
is this am i watching a ride like i was like <laughs> is this like when you go to like universal studios and yeah. you're on one of those rides where you don't actually go anywhere but there's a big it's projected it's, all around yeah. you yeah I think that's what we were watching. <laughs> I can't remember when this movie came out because I didn't see it in the theater. Um, yeah, but, I should say. So this was actually my first time seeing this movie. This is my first time probably since like 2008 or okay. nine seeing it. Um, I don't remember if it came out in 3D, but I kind of felt like that was kind of supposed to be 3D-ish. I looked. It came out in IMAX. Okay. I didn't see any mention of 3D, but I have to assume it did. It could have. I mean, I mean I, seven. I don't remember kind of how much that was like. Well, Avatar had already thing. come out then, so. Mm, that was 09. Was that yeah, really pre. Uh, yeah, this was pre-Avatar. Mm. Um, but it was... Yeah, I mean, I, it must have been. It, it must have been, right? It, it, well, if it was IMAX, then the, yeah, it was probably, that was why it was So they were definitely yeah. going with that. I I was very torn on it, because on the one hand, I, I liked the way that it, it was all very quick. It was a lot of jumping around. It was yeah. kind of fun that they were fighting sort of midair. Nobody ever, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they were always falling, and then they'd be jumping around. Like, yeah. they'd get thrown. Like, there was a lot going on. But it also managed to look really flat, and that might it, have been because of the whole 3D it could aspect have. of I, it. I didn't, I didn't think it looked flat. I just felt it was very weird. Like, it seemed... and I Because what happens at the end when Harry gets the amnesia, it makes sense of, like, how why it was so quick. Like, oh, this was just so that Harry would get the amnesia so that Peter would put his guard down yeah i think that's what like the whole point of that was because i was sitting there thinking like why did they give him amnesia what was the point of that and then i was like well you gotta get peter gotta have his guard down Mm -hmm. because if peter didn't have his guard down then things would be a little bit different Mm -hmm. like the way things would have played out anyway harry gets amnesia (laughs) he he, he hits a pole or something (laughs) and he falls down and he's there was little birds going around his head little green goblins going around his head (laughs) little little willem defoe me avenge me avenge me avenge me (laughs) (laughs) and he takes him to the hospital uh they save him but he has amnesia he remembers certain things yeah he remembers who he is he remembers his friends he remembers his dad but he conveniently forgot the whole part about yeah. I want to murder my friend, yeah. and my dad was a was a crazy supervillain. Yeah. Um, let's go the, the second subplot. Uh, an <laughs> the alien... second of eight. Well, uh, <laughs> there's not that. There's a couple. <laughs> there's a lot um, going on. So Flint Marco is an escaped criminal who's uh, who's just trying to help out his daughter just, who's just sick. Just trying to do right. Just trying to do right. Um, he's the one who actually killed Uncle Ben, we, we find out, uh-huh. as also, like, hey, uh, we need to have this somehow poignant background for Spider-Man, let's, uh, <laughs> right. let's retro, let's take Peter Stormare out, we'll put this guy in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the cops are chasing him, you know, he goes and visits his wife, mm-hmm. his ex-wife, and, and he sees his daughter, and she's like, get out, and he's like, I'm gonna find the money. She's like, you know, I'm, I'm a single woman making my way in New York. <laughs> And so he he gets chased to like this big sand pit where they're doing experiments on. <laughs> I, I yeah, I don't know, and I don't know what to say about any of he that. Be, he becomes you know imbued with the power of sand. Sure, sand, sand, sand. It's <laughs> basically what happens. Yeah. Well, as we know, Kevin, uh, sand is uh, made of silicon, which is a an element that's very close to carbon. 
Um, it's slightly heavier than carbon. So technically, alien life could be made out of silicon as opposed to carbon. You know, sure. so because, you know, there's some science there to it, I, I guess. I don't know. I only learned about that through uh, through uh, the movie Evolution the, with David Duchovny. Oh, yeah. The, the, also known as Ghostbusters 3. Anyway, the, right. The Sandman reveal uh, where he kind of comes out yeah. and he's all sandy, yeah. you know. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. It good. Uh, decent effects for 2007. Exactly. Like, yeah. you can imagine, like, obviously it would be better now, but you're like, yeah, yeah this is... I. It's a sand guy. Yeah, yeah it's a sand I buy guy. It. I, yeah, I buy so. the sand guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than like what they would have done in like 1980s where they would have wrapped a guy in foam and covered it with like glued sand onto it. He also, if you think about it, so he's, the sand is forming yeah. his physical attributes, including his hair and his clothes. Mm-hmm. So if you keep that in mind, he's always nude. Yeah. For the rest of the movie, he's technically nude. Yes. Meek. Because you think you get sand everywhere when you go to the beach. (laughs) There you go. See, he likes that. He's all about it. Um, And then the final third subplot, a meteor has fallen to Earth and black goo has come out of it. And and then I love that I actually forgot about the the symbiote because it lands and then you're like, yeah, here's the sand. Here it is. And it sticks onto his motorcycle. Yeah. And then it's gone for an hour. I looked. You don't see it again until you're just past the hour mark. Yeah. I don't know what it was doing, but it was just Checking out the sights. Out. It was going to see a Broadway show. <laughs> What's what you do in New York? Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm coming down. I'm from, I'm from the planet Vizon 6. I'm going to uh, gonna go see cats. I'm going to go up the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> go skating at 30 Rock. No, that's, that's what he was doing. Uh, yeah. Well, he had he had a lot of time. <laughs> Eating a hot dog on the side of the street. You know, that's like what you do. <laughs> All right. Now I got to go find some schmuck. <laughs> well, time to get to the business. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to see the little symbiote with like like a little flag that says cats and sitting <laughs> in the seat. <laughs> As we learned from the Simpsons, that's what you're supposed to do. You have to have a little flag that says what you're seeing. Got it. Right. Um yeah. So, uh, catch in the a Yankees game, <laughs> catch a Yankees game. <laughs> Sock suck. Um, <laughs> so he goes. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, there's a, a, an issue going on with a crane downtown New York. The crane has got out of control. You see the the typical union guy with like like a sausage hanging out of his mouth, going, yeah. "Whoa, whoa, <laughs> stop this crazy thing!" <laughs> I was really hoping. I like when they when he overhears it, and they were like. Uh, there's a crane situation. The crane is out of control. I wanted Spider-Man to get there, and it's a big whooping crane. <laughs> and it's just like, ah! Guy, bird, bird is needlessly aggressive. <laughs> it's out of control. Or it could have been Fraser Crane. <laughs> New York, I'm listening. Um, so the destroy cra- this building. <laughs> so the crane is, is uh, swinging around and smashed into a building where uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, a redhead, plays a br- uh, a blonde, is doing a modeling shoot. Uh huh. Well, you know, like you do. Sure. Uh, on the top of a building. I mean, like I'm sure, like the Canon Corp office that they were using was just like, all right, fine, all right. Bunch of drones up there just going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Photo shoot going on up here. Um, the the 
like a girder which is on the crane is smashing through there and Spider-Man comes in and saves Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Which because Gwen Stacy's dad is the chief of police, they have a Spider-Man day. Yeah. Who celebrates Spider-Man. He's going to get the key to the city. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, it's good to see Spider-Man getting his due, sure. his, his just reward. Well, that way, when they lock up the city at night, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man can still get back in. He can kind of come and go. That's the benefit of having the key to the city. He keeps it under the giant doormat that they keep out at the on the, <laughs> the tunnel. Right, George exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Under the giant hierarchy rock. <laughs> oh, New York is closed. Don't worry. I've got a key. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they're having a Spider-Man day. Unfortunately for Mary Jane, um, she just found out that she got replaced because she had a bad one bad re- and she had a couple bad reviews. <laughs> one bad review got fired. Yeah, actually, it was all the newspapers. It was so all yeah, of the bad reviews. All the bad reviews. They yeah. fired her. And when she tries to talk yeah. to her boyfriend. He can't stop being like, it's just like how I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> and it's a great sort of what not to do, sort yeah. of a blundering, you know, typical typical man, you know, yeah. uh, we don't listen, we, you know, etc. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, it's it's a little bit, I, I would, I, I'm going to defend Peter a oh, li- sh- just a little bit. Well, yeah. Mary Jane couldn't get out the damn words. I got fired. And where a man would just be like, Yes, I only know about these concrete things. Concrete <laughs> things. Concrete things. Concrete things. I'm feeling good. Good, good, good. And she'd be like, I got fired. Be like, oh, I should feel bad for you. Okay, this is what I'm supposed to do because I am programmed this way. <laughs> Instead, she was like, like she wanted him to like pull it out of her. Like, like, oh, what's wrong, honey? You don't seem so good. And she'd be yeah. like, no, everything's okay. And he's like, no, something's wrong. It was, it was just that when she would start doing that, yeah. he would turn it to yeah. be about him. She would, he would just be like, it's just like how I'm Spider-Man and things don't always go well for Spider-Man. But at the end of the day, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and also in his defense... His metaphor was pretty accurate. He what he did get like he does get a lot of bad reviews, you know. But he didn't we know. Have, like, uh, we should have done this one with our wives, <sighs> just just to uh, no way, <laughs> no way, <laughs> just to be like, see, this is the problem. This is the problem. <laughs> His metaphor was was on point, though. It's fine. It's it's a very yeah, it's men good, be like, women be like, <laughs> and men are from Mars, women are from. <laughs> men, are, men are from uh well they're both from the same neighborhood but men are from this house in the neighborhood and women are from the house next door <laughs> see we're good at metaphors <laughs> exactly um so you know she's feeling pretty down uh they go t- uh peter mary jane and harry all go to the spider-man day parade yeah you know like the bands are all playing the spider-man 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 it's like yeah. wow where did they learn that song from they learned it from that hopeless lady in spider-man 2 oh that's right she's like super famous in this one because she got the licensing rights from the yes. spider-man song right she's like the ramones cover <laughs> the ramones cover uh so you know gwen stacy's presenting the key to the city uh, and Spider-Man, of course, comes down and says, uh, you know, they're like, kiss him, kiss him. And then they do the upside down kiss, the famous yeah. one from the original Spider-Man. Now, why 
Peter Parker ever thought that was a good idea. Yeah, that one's a, a little that harder one's to defend. All on him. <laughs> I will not defend that. I was like, I was like, oh, that's he's, a that's a bad move. Yeah, he's uh, he spends the the better part of this movie even before the whole uh, emo Spider Man thing, um, being kind of a knob. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> I understand, like he's he's making dumb moves in the in the in the service of the plot, but that was even like too dumb for like most guys oh, yeah. in the audience were like, oh no, you don't. You they don't. were like, oh, we meant like, I mean, just give him a peck on the cheek. Yeah, like, like, like that's yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like yeah, yeah. Like, like she would have been like, like oh, oh you okay. kiss it, and then it would have been like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, you know. That, 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 but no, he had to do like a full on on the lips. That's, oh yeah, that's. And I, I didn't think I thought like the weird thing too was like no one was like like when he pulls a mask down no one was like oh my god Spider Man's white you know <laughs> like, right like I was like of course he's white like <laughs> like like what would have happened if they pulled it down and it was like uh, a black man on there and then all of a sudden all the racists in the audience who were like chanting like kiss they're like <gasps> like <laughs> they, they like stop and oh no <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back to the Trump rally um nah uh, uh, topical. People like it when you're topical. Uh, yeah, and it's, and it's, and of course, Harry's, you know, Harry who has amnesia is all like, oh, look at that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't know that he's Spider-Man. He doesn't know any of it. No, he doesn't know any of that. So he's just like, yay, Yay, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Kissing on that girl. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so... You know, and Peter's trying to propose to Mary Jane, too. So why do you think getting a kiss exactly. from this girl who's in his class? Yeah. Uh, with his class under Professor Dylan Baker. He's gonna... There's, they, they show that little sort of flirty thing. Like, there's definitely, like... There's something there. Her, yeah. Well, he's know? a man. And, and he's she's not... Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> sure. So there's that little bit of, like... But I have to say, the, uh, the, the proposal... Scene the botched proposal scene in the restaurant with Bruce Campbell, yeah, was like hands down the best scene in the movie <laughs> and might be the best scene of these three Spider Man movies. <laughs> well, I mean, it was uh, it just kept going, it was very funny. It was all Bruce Campbell, yeah. Well, I mean, it was like everybody was good in it, that the timing was great. It's, it's very like it's very romantic comedy slapstick like old school oh, yeah. like 30s or 40s you yeah. know like like that's like with the hand gestures and everything like and he sets it up very vaudeville style he's like okay i'm gonna do this with my hand and uh-huh. when i do this with my hand and i want this and i want this and i know he's like very good sir all right uh-huh. and it's like you could almost hear like spider-man brought to you by kodak <laughs> film you know yeah. <laughs> or brought to you by Paul Mall cigarettes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Spider-Man smokes Paul Malls and he fights crime. What about you? Um, so, yeah, you can almost hear like, the audience laughing. As Grandma these... Moses brand heroin. <laughs> Ask your local doctor for Grandma Moses. <laughs> for what ails you? <laughs> yeah, you can almost like, you can hear the audience laughing as they're doing sure. that. Like, almost like old live school, and live tv broadcast like like yeah. like radio play almost yeah so he's they're doing that and of course she's like no it's over we're breaking up yeah yeah and it's it, of course then the will they won't they throughout this entire series mm-hmm. of movies uh yeah the, the proposal goes awry <laughs> as, as gwen stacy comes in as well it's like what else could go wrong for peter <laughs> at this point right so there he is. He's he's all sad and everything like that. And the uh, symbiote's like, "Hey, how's it going?" 
<laughs> you got a segment. <laughs> you, you, you seen cats yet? You seen cats yet? It's amazing. It's great. <laughs> we don't got that where I'm at. <laughs> All it is Starlight Express 24 7. <laughs> Starlight <laughs> Express. <laughs> They're seen, trains. You seen musical theater on roller What skates? is that? <laughs> Starlight Express. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's like the fifth best Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice. I'm not sure, but I'll allow it. Fine. So, yeah, it, the symbiote attaches to him. Uh, of course, Professor Dylan, ba- Dylan Baker knows everything about this alien life form just from looking at it for five minutes. Right. He's like, here's the thing with alien symbiotes it's that like, I just discovered. This is like some sort of symbiote. I've never used the word symbiote outside of the term of talking about venom <laughs> in comic book form. This is all the hallmarks of uh, a completely made-up thing. Oh, man. I don't know why Dylan Baker hasn't been in like a reanimator movie, because he looks like a more of a thinking man's Her- Herbert West mm-hmm. than anyone else. I was watching this movie, I'm like... We need to get make that happen before uh, uh, he Dylan, gets too old to, yeah. to do it. Dylan Baker would make a great Herbert West. Um you know, and as Kurt Connors, you know, he's supposed to turn into the lizard later yes. on. I mean, it's one of those things that we talked about in the last right. movie. Uh, so Peter is now walking around with this black, gooey Spider-Man outfit on. Eddie Brock, who is not even dating. Oh, so uh, this oh, we could go all the way back to the crane scene. We That's introduction of Eddie Brock, this rival reporter and rival photographer to Peter Parker who wants to get on the Bugle right. staff. Yeah. Um, Super so, confident and arrogant until the second that you call him out on anything and, and then, then he, he falls starts apart. practically crying. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's super confident on it and like he's like dating Gwen Stacy, but apparently they've, they've only been on like one date. Right. He's like, yeah. I'm dating your daughter. And it turns out they went out for coffee, coffee once. once. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you get the sense that he's a, a little bit of a loser. Yeah. So he he manages to turn in a picture of Spider-Man in the black outfit. Everyone's going crazy about it. Um, they hire him on for a staff job. And it turns out that he faked the photo. Right. And now Peter, with the black symbiote suit, he's got a little bit more confidence. Yeah. He says, and he's, he turns on him and says, hey, no. he d-, And he's like, don't do this. It's going to ruin me. He's like, here, check this out. He, shows, he th- yeah. shows the picture to Robbie, and he's like, you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. And then the ED-209 comes in and shoots him up. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Then, then uh, so Eddie's all like. Christmas time is here. Walking down the <laughs> Just street. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be better than what Peter does when he's walking down the street <laughs> as newly confident emo Spider Man. I mean, he. With he, the gratuitous hair flips. Well, aside from that, we, you know, he does a lot of. Making finger guns. He's doing finger guns a lot. Finger gunning every woman he sees on the streets. Yeah. That's, uh, you know what? I would do that if I had confidence, too, though. I would do finger guns like nobody's business. This is why it's good that guys like us don't, don't have confidence. It's true. We wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's confident. He's getting money off of, he, he gets the, the staff photographer job for the Bugle mm-hmm. from Jay Jonah. He takes Gwen Stacy out on a date, like, to the jazz bar that... <laughs> right. In one of the, this, let's talk about this scene, because this is oh. the famous scene from the the movie you yeah know? he's doing all this crazy like walking down the street stuff he, yeah he kills sandman like kills in quotation marks like he yeah, thinks he, he thinks killed he him. killed him yeah uh yeah the jazz club scene so mary jane is singing at the jazz club not well she mind starts you, but, to yeah she starts yeah. to and then all of a sudden she looks and peter parker's playing the piano <laughs> right 
You know, well, I mean, he does the classic, like, he gives the waitress, like, you know, a, like a, like a, a fin and says, like, give me a good table, toots. Yeah. And, you know, and Gwen's like, oh, this is so great. You yeah. Know? I'm like, eh, it's not really. It's, it's not. Yeah. No. And then he goes up there and starts playing the piano. It's like a scene out of Anchorman where he's like, yeah, exactly. he's like play the jazz flute. Um, and then he starts dancing with, like, he says all the stuff and, like, just to, like, do it in front of Mary Jane, which is so weird. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, you obviously you get the sense that, you know, the suit is imbuing him with this and it's making him an a-hole. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's well, Dylan just Baker all these says, worst, like, impulses. Well, that's what Dylan thing. Baker says. He goes, this would amplify your worst, <laughs> amplify all. <laughs> it's like, right. how do you know this? <laughs> oh. It's again, it amplifies, it makes him kind of a dick. And then, right. like, the piano player is like, hey, jerk face. He's like, don't call me jerk face, boyo. And it's, then, like, it's bad. Yeah. It's a bad, and then he, bad like, scene. And he, like, turns and he, like, hits Mary Jane accidentally. And you know, yeah. yeah. But before that, at least, you know, there's also the scene with <laughs> where Harry remembers everything. Yeah. He, I'm not sure. How he just gets a flash. I don't remember what exactly happens. He gets something happens. He either touches something, and at some point he gets a flash, and it all comes back. Well, there's the, the subplot with Harry is Harry like well, Mary Jane's feeling bad because she broke up with Peter, so she goes and hangs out with Harry. Which Harry, as the friend, should have been like, no, 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 that, no, you know, <laughs> right. I, you know, I like you as a friend still, but you know, me and Peter friends, we don't want. I don't know. <laughs> this yeah. is this is, and they make an omelet together, the worst omelet I've ever seen. The, the heat, first of all, heat was way too high yeah. for those eggs. Way too high. And then secondly, he flipped it way too early. Well, no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let, me get, let me go into this. First okay. of all, first of all, he, he burnt the butter, which when you burn the butter, just f- throw the thing out, right? Get right then there. You get new butter, yeah. start over That's again. That's because the heat was too high. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, the heat wasn't too high. He just left the butter on the too heat long. W- the heat was too high because... Eggs should never sizzle when you put them in. No, that's true. Unless you're Heat's doing too high. Unless yeah, if, the, you, want, if you, you want, if you want your, if you, you want, want burned eggs, eggs you yeah. want them brown you and want crispy brown. on the yeah, edge. Yeah, then yeah, yeah. go ahead. But, but anyway, if you want good, correct eggs, that, and here's the, here's the other <laughs> no thing. Sizzle. Here's the other thing. You never flip an omelet. You never flip. Yeah, an omelet. I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. You what can. you do is you pour the eggs on. Like they did, it, they were doing it right. Like yeah. they had the eggs going, then they put the ingredients on the eggs. On the half. The, yeah, on the half where the top is not fully cooked because you're never supposed to fully cook the omelet. You're never supposed to do that. Right. The the French style. You're never supposed to do that. And then when you put them, when you fold it over, then it's done. You're done with the omelet. Yeah. You don't flip the omelet. What are you going to flip? The both sides are already cooked. Mm-hmm. And then they flip the omelet and they break the omelet and they're having a laugh and then they kiss. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what sets off his memory. Yeah. So the device is, yeah, I have a plan to destroy Spider-Man now. I will take him down from within. And so he, t- he, he takes Mary Jane and He's like, I remember now. Yeah. Scowling. <laughs> he goes back to scowling. <laughs> the best part is he takes Peter and he takes Mary Jane and says, like, we have to do it this way. And then so Mary Jane is like, there's another guy. And then... Harry goes up to Peter and he says, "Sorry, dude, I was the other guy." <laughs> and he's like, yeah. "I always loved her, and when she kissed me, 
tasted like strawberries. (laughs) I was like, yes, yes, this is awesome. It's like James Franco being this like uber douche. And it's so (laughs) great. I'm like, finally, he does something memorable in these movies. Like, he's such an ass. It's so great. He spins his wheels through the whole Whole second movie. Yeah. Which is kind of a problem. And he's not given a ton to do in the first one either, other than be... Yeah. Just sort of that connection to the father yeah. and start a little bit of a rivalry there. Um, yeah, it all comes to a head here, and it's, it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and so, you know, blah, 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 that leads to the jazz scene and all that stuff, and Mary, mm-hmm. you know, and they're hurting each other. And then Peter realizes what he does, so he's trying to get the symbiote suit off. Yeah. And the bell's ringing, and that causes the suit to weaken, and he, he's able yeah. to take it off, and it goes down, and it sees Eddie Brock, who's like praying to God, who's like, please, God. Let me kill Peter Parker. <laughs> Please kill Peter, Peter Parker. Parker for me. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I'm dying. Yeah. He gets absorbed into the venom he's suit. Like, Thanks, God. <laughs> Thanks, God. <laughs> God gave me this. <laughs> so Venom. Uh, so now he's. I got more people. I want you to kill. <laughs> I don't think he's ever. I don't think he ever calls himself Venom in the entire thing. No. No, it doesn't come up, although uh, when you're watching it with uh, closed captionings like I, will, cl- uh, closed captions like I was, uh, they do say, like, Venom screams. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, they definitely make reference to it there. So Venom teams up with Sam. Oh, well, I f- we forgot about the whole thing with the pumpkin bomb to the face. Oh, yeah. So, right. They, the, Harry and Peter fight while Peter's being emo, while yeah. he has the suit on. Yeah. And so he's... He's not as as tactful. He's definitely like, I will straight up murder you. And he <laughs> I doesn't will murder you. He doesn't quite, but I gotta blame James Franco for this. He's like, Look, I've told you sixty six times I didn't technically kill your father. And he's like, Nyeh. and so he starts to walk away. He does the whole he like karate chops him to the throat and he does he's just basically like, stay down. And he starts to walk away, and he's like, Nyeh! and he picks up a bomb and throws it, thinking like, I mean, he he was trying to murder, murder him. Yeah. Pete too. Like, yeah. I mean, this was clearly. I'm not. On its I'm way. not arguing either way. But yeah, so he ca- he ducks it, catches it, throws it back, and explodes right next to James Franco's head. It causes him, as we causes seen, him to have. We've seen these bombs fully turn, healed scars. We've seen these bombs tr- turn people into CGI skeletons. It's yeah. not like something that's completely unusual, but it manages just to to scorch his face pretty bad. Yeah. He's got like I'm it, guessing that's just because he injected himself. That with could be the stuff we see a brief scene of. He yeah. had enough of that stuff that gave him kind of powers and abilities. Gave <laughs> kind of powers. What have you? What did it give you? Kind of powers. Kind of powers. I'm basically the same, just like a little more. <laughs> I'm 110% more Joe. <laughs> so what What does that mean? Oh, more sarcastic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, it's too much Joe. <laughs> I can't hang out with him anymore. It's too much. Um, so, yeah, so the, Venom teams up with Sandman. Because they're like, you want revenge against Spider-Man, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know, I guess. He got me wet. (laughs) He got me really wet. I am made of a silicate-type material, so. (laughs) And he's like, well, we'll we'll kidnap, uh, you know, Mary Jane, and uh, we'll (laughs) do a big Charlotte's Web thing up in the sky. (laughs) Some (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. 
Um, That'll do, pig. <laughs> we need to s- Wilbur the Rat to show up. <laughs> Templeton. Templeton, sorry. What did I say? Wilfred? Wil- Wilbur. Wilbur. I think Wilbur, Wilbur was, was the pig. pig. Yeah. yeah, Templeton was the rat. Yeah. As played by uh, Charles Nelson Riley in the famous cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they do this big thing. He's like, it's not even like... Uh, you know, like attention, Spider-Man. It's like Spider-Man, come and stop us if you can, or else if you can't, not a big deal. We'll do this later. <laughs> it's like, Spider-Man. It all started back in nineteen. 19- <laughs> it's like a whole story. Uh, yeah, it is. It's like a whole story. Um, so Spider-Man. Uh, Peter sees this. He's like da 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 da. Puts on a Spider-Man outfit. The old Spider-Man outfit. And he right. goes out to save Mary Jane. Uh, he stops the- off at Harry, and he's yeah. like, "Look, I can't do this. I know we're not really friends right now because uh, of the explosion to the face and the murdering your dad." But <laughs> no, no, no. Technically, murder, not murdering your dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I played an instrumental part in his death, but <laughs> technically, I didn't kill him. Yeah. He was hoisted by his own And he guitar. looks over, and he's like, Butler, you got anything to add? And he's like, no, I'm good. Are you sure you don't have anything you'd like to add? This is the best Not scene yet. ever. This Butler, who's been around in all three of the movies, yeah. doesn't have a single line in the entire thing, <laughs> comes up to Harry after Peter leaves and goes like, uh, your father technically killed himself. <laughs> He's like, what? I cleaned his wounds, and those stab wounds to the groin were definitely (laughs) self-inflicted. I was was like... With my extensive medical training as your family butler. (laughs) When when we were watching it, (laughs) I was watching it with my wife, and I'm like, he goes... (laughs) I, I cleaned your father's wounds. And I was like, <laughs> and he was definitely pantsless when he was stabbed. I don't know if this information helps. <laughs> the, the, I don't understand, like, who, the writer of that movie, like, how did they not include him earlier? And like, or like Raimi not include anything by him earlier in the script just to have him come on. I guarantee you 90% of the audience went, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> what is happening? And how is come he wasn't go- how come he's not being played by Harry Dean Stanton? Because <laughs> he kind of James Franco says that ghost is right. <laughs> that ghost is right. <laughs> Should help my friend. Well, it's like, and then of course you know Peter's fighting them, and then Harry comes down in his X Games like hoverboard, yeah. and he's like he helps with the fight, and it's very IMAX, like very much again, yes. like the writing on the thing, and they're fighting it, and Peter realizes that oh, Sonic Waves is hurting this symbiote. Oh, this is could help me, yeah. and they're able to cause the symbiote to get off of Eddie. And then they throw a pumpkin bomb at him. They're gonna blow it up, but he can't. He yeah. really wants the the symbiote. And yeah. then he goes boom with yeah. it. And he turns it to a CGI skeleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandman is like, I'm, I'm just sad. <laughs> I didn't really want to kill you, Spider Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to kill your your uncle. I just wanted his car. Yeah, because I'm in the city of New York, and that's the only car that I get, like 1978 Chevy Caprice. <laughs> right? You know, it's like, yo, I, I, this is really bad writing right here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like there's so many sad codas at the end of it. Like Harry dies, and he gives like this death speech. You know, he's like, ah, Peter, I remember when we were younger, 
and we would play No Pants Bandits. And, you know, you'd say it's like that sort of thing. It's like like confessing their love for each other. Right. And it's it's just bad. Yeah. And so Harry dies. And then, um, you know, uh, uh, the Sandman, he's just like, I'm just trying to do right by my family. Spider-Man's like, okay. And then uh, I don't remember what happens because uh, who cares at that end. And then, you know, Peter goes and sees Mary Jane in her jazz club because she's there singing. And, you know, he goes and they, they touch hands and now they dance together. And the boss of the jazz club's like, you're supposed to be singing. Yeah. Why are you, why <laughs> are you not it's singing gonna, in the middle of this? Uh, what am I paying I'm, you for? I'm running a jazz club in 2007 New York. <laughs> Don't make me write a bad review of you in the newspaper. <laughs> Don't make me give you a bad Yelp. <laughs> the end. notes okay so um this movie this movie was actually uh, greenlit four months before the release of spider-man 2 um not not an unusual sure um Raimi really pushed hard for sandman to be in this movie um that's like one of his all-time favorite characters huh. um not by his treatment you wouldn't guess that but <laughs> <laughs> no i did not guess that no um it was actually uh this marvel like the the movie ceo uh, Avi Arred, who is the one who pushed for Venom to be in this movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, Raimi was like, no, I don't want him in there. I don't, he's like a bad thing in the 90s. He's you know, ru- almost ruined comics. <laughs> and, he's, and Avi Arred's like, no, kids love the Venom in 2007. Um, so, of course, you know. But, you know, it's it's a lot of the people who grew up in the 90s reading comics are probably be like, oh, man, I really want Venom to be in this movie because he's a symbol of my youth. And I need my youth to be pushed on everyone else. So Raimi eventually <laughs> relented and was like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church was, uh, I think, their top, and was their number one choice for the character. They didn't even, like, really, like, invite him to audition. Like, him and Topher Grace were both, like, told to come on the studio lot, and they were uh, onto the Sony lot, and they were, like, given their parts. Like, they had huh. no idea what was going on with it. Um, the movie was the highest grossing movie of 2007. Huh. And there only had 63% on Rotten Tomatoes currently. Yeah. Uh, far less than the uh, Spider-Man 2. Well, there was a lot of studio meddling, right? I mean, because we talked with the last one about how there was just a total just a script that was completely thrown out yeah, about this. Much. They wanted, he wanted, they were, th- uh, they were bringing on, I remember I was reading this on Wikipedia. You probably were too. I don't know if you're going to, you were going to mention this, but uh, Ben Kingsley. Yeah. And the vulture, for the vulture would have been really interesting. Why people want the vulture in the movies is beyond me. He is the worst character ever. Yeah. Ne- never stri- It's an old man in a bird costume. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, old there's so old man in a, there's a ton of costume. great Spider-Man villains that, that, yeah. were ne- that have never been used, and the Vulture is one of the worst. <laughs> Very bizarre, but that was something that they planned, and then, yeah, there was a lot of... This definitely... Um, it, 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 
there's this big stink of studio hands all over the script, all over this casting, all over the character. Not so much the casting, I guess, but just the treatment of characters and the way that characters are written. Um, you get the sense, and you don't really even need to get the sense because Raimi was on uh, the Nerdist podcast oh, I think, yeah. back in that sort of infamous at the time. It was like the end of 2014 or so. Yeah, um, basically saying that like he hates this movie. Yeah, it was a, a terrible experience for him. Um, just a mess. Yeah, there was there was a lot of problems. I mean, like Danny Elfman didn't come back as as the com- music composer. Um, I know, which you know was interesting. I I really liked certain things about the music in this one. It was El- it was Elfman esque. Yeah, but, uh, I, that's why I think like a lot of times when people try to imitate composers, they do a far better job than the composers themselves. Hans Zimmer's like the team Zimmer does a much better job than Hans Zimmer, <laughs> and it's it's one of those things like people who try to ape John Williams do a better John Williams than like <laughs> than John Williams does. I shouldn't say that John Williams does a great job with most of sure. Not lately, but, you know, the people who try to do John Williams do a very good job. People who try to do Danny Elfman generally do a better job than Danny Elfman. Hmm. Um, this is just me as a, as a film music geek, I, I will yeah. tell you. You know, you have far stronger opinions on film music than I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and Dykstra didn't come back to do the special effects. He went on to do some terrible movie that didn't do well i think mm. it was like space dogs or something like that i don't know what it was <laughs> space dogs the collect classic film <laughs> yeah, some, space dogs. something stupid like that he didn't come <laughs> back for um yeah they had a terrible time making this movie and i know there was a script for spider-man 4 that yeah. was done and some of the storyboards from it which got leaked god just like a couple months ago were fantastic huh. um there's gonna be a whole month uh gwen stacy was gonna be killed very early in the movie bryce dallas howard was gonna come back and they were gonna kill her off like very early in the script. I don't know the circumstances behind it, but I know there was going to be a whole montage of Spider-Man catching his classic villains and taking them into jail. So you were going to be able to see like Mysterio, the Rhino, Vulture, a lot of these people getting like, you know, know, Electro, all these guys getting arrested and taken to jail. So you would be able to see a ton of the classic villains. Um, It's just really cool looking, but Raimi just had such an awful time on this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's part of the reason why this... uh, you know, the, the cast, I know that, I, I don't even think that, like, Tobey Maguire or Kirsten Dunst did any press for this movie. Like, I think they were just exhausted from it. It was a two and a half year production cycle for this movie that it's the third movie in a trilogy. It sh- movies like that usually get pumped out in six months. Yeah. Because, like, we have the costumes, we have all this. Right. Um, Everybody was back. Yeah. It's this, yeah. you know, this took a long time, and I think a lot of it had to do with meddling, putting venom in the script and i uh, i honestly i don't think it's terrible but we'll get a little bit into that in a little bit later yeah i was actually it's the third highest grossing movie of 2007 so oh. it still did pretty okay. did incredibly well at the box sure. office yeah um very maligned as i said 62 percent on rotten tomatoes and i think like the that's f- still not that bad no it's not you know like no. looking at uh, i mean I, i've seen i mean when something's really bad i mean anything I think fifty or higher is usually like it's getting a decent amount of of it, it, let's just call it mixed. Yeah, let's call it mixed reviews. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The um, let me. I was. I just. I'm bringing up my notes. Uh, 
So they were going to do what at at the time this movie with the script as it was was so big that they wanted to split it up into two movies. They wanted this to be three and four. I read that. Yeah, they were thinking because right there was just they had so many characters and plots and but they things. had no way of ending the third part trying to juggle all of that. Yeah, they had no like like end cap to the third movie, mm-hmm. so they were like, well, we're just going to make this one movie, and that's why it kind of, I think it kind of feels a little rushed on that part. But the the fourth movie, though, that one was actually going to be two movies. It was going to be four and five. Oh. They were going to be filmed simultaneously. Um, yeah, they were going to have Kurt Connors as the lizard come in. Um, and as well as John Malkovich was in negotiations to play the vulture. And Han- Anne Hathaway was in talks to repri- to be the black cat. Oh, sure. Felicia yeah, yeah, Hardy, yeah. the black cat. Ah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like... Who knows on out of that? They could have just been like, yeah, we want a Melkovich. So, yeah. So he was in talks as in the, hey, Melkovich, yeah. you want to play this part? No. He's in talks. <laughs> right. No, John Melkovich would be like, no. So here's what I think happened with this movie. Right after. <laughs> here's what I think. The, first, the second one came out. Second but one here's comes out, what really happened. Second one comes out in 2004. Yeah. Batman Begins comes out in 2005. Okay. In 2004, everybody's like, this is the best comic movie. This is what, you know, people were having fun. It made a bunch of money. People loved it. Already excited for a third one. Batman Begins comes out and Nolan makes this totally different kind of comic book movie. Yeah. And everyone loses their mind. You think people really lost their minds about Batman Begins? I don't. Remember I know the, I did. I, I loved that movie. I know. I don't remember the fervor being that high until Dark Knight. No. Well, I think because at the time people were like, Nolan's making. I think I feel like it was in the air that Nolan was going to. This was he was going to make a trilogy. After okay, that one did make, really well. I think yeah. it was like we're going to get more of this. People were excited because remember the Joker's teased at the oh, end of the yeah. first movie. I don't remember that. I remember people being just like. Just losing their minds, and that was the studio was like, all the studios now are like, this is what we want. And Raimi's getting all this crap of like, we need Venom, and we need this, and you've got to throw in all of this stuff and throw out other stuff that you wanted to do with your movie. Yeah. So he's dealing with that, and Raimi has one other sort of franchise, I guess, that you can say that he's kind of helmed, even though the first the Evil Dead movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first two are technically the same movie. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 isn't really Evil Dead 2. It's just a remake of the first one. And that's fine. Everybody kind of knows and, and likes that. But look at how goofy Army of Darkness is <laughs> as the third Evil Dead movie, quote unquote. It kind of isn't. I mean, it sort of picks up where that but it's a totally different movie yeah for some reason that's like his thing even though there's only two kind of examples but it seems like he just ramps up the silliness as he goes along with his franchise this feels like the biggest rebuke to being like i don't want to make a batman movie like (laughs) studios must have been like look like it's dark you know, it's kind of pensive, it's gritty, like, make your Spider-Man kind of like that. Like, throw in Venom, he's like this big, like, bleh, like, yeah. make that <laughs> all, like, yeah, make the big, and he's like, I don't want to do that. I'm gonna, I want, I want emo Peter Parker flipping his hair, and I want three musical numbers. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll give you one musical number, but maybe three. 
You know, you remember Temple of Doom where they start off with anything goes? I want that in my movie. <laughs> I really, but I want it slowed down. I feel like this movie is. I maybe it's just maybe it's just totally a coincidence in the timeline. I'm I'm sure Raimi was working. He may or may not have even seen Batman Begins. Who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But he was probably at least aware because the studios must have been aware yeah. that. This is what people want now. And yeah, they would definitely really head in that direction after the Dark Knight. Yeah, two, after really 2008, the when, game, but when people lost their minds, sure. you couldn't get in to see that movie for weeks. But you got it. But like, yeah, I mean, because Iron Man hadn't come out yet. No, it was 08. As and well. so the other comic book movies that had been out up to that point, because 04. Or uh, Batman Begins was 05, and that was the same year that Fantastic first Fantastic Four came out. So it was yeah. like, here are your two big comic book movies. <laughs> One does extremely well and is by this big name, you know, this, this wasn't really a big name yet, but this sort of up-and-coming, really cool, hip indie director. He'd had a couple movies at that point that people, people loved Memento. Yeah, I was going to say, just Memento was like his big one at the time. Memento, and he had done... People liked Insomnia. That yeah. was the remake. I didn't like it a lot, but it was I fine. Like it either. Um, or Fantastic Four, which <laughs> made a lot of money, but was super silly. Yeah. And lots of product placement and lots of color and lots of jumping around. This movie no. feels like he's like... Raimi's like, I'm doubling down on... Every yeah. goofy thing that I can come up with for this uh, script. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I... I I don't think it's necessarily like goofy. I think it was like Raimi was, he had a script. He probably had a script that he liked a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, the studio comes in and says, no, we want you to do this. Marvel comes in, we, I want you, we want you to do this. Mm-hmm. And Raimi's not one of those guys. He doesn't, I mean, out of all of his big studio movies, I could think of, ma- he's only done, aside from the Spider-Man movies, the only other like big studio movie he's ever done is Oz the Great and Powerful mm-hmm. with James Franco. Mm-hmm. Um, and, all of his movies are generally his hands. Like, he doesn't... He's not one of those guys who plays well with studios, I don't think. Like, I think he plays well with, like... Marches to his own beat. Yeah. For sure. He probably is like, okay, we'll do this with the budget, you know, like... I, I Very pro- Del Toro-esque. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get Del Toro to do something and then meddle through yeah. his whole shtick. No, no, no. We're, we're talking uh, Benicio Del Toro? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> No, Guillermo. I love you. I love everyone. I'm Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> that's that's literally what he sounds like. I'm not being a racist. Yeah, no, no, he's he he's, loves everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I could see that, and he he probably was just tired, and like this, you could tell that the cast was tired. Of course, they're all in their forties at this point. <laughs> There's a lot of people. Uh, there there are a lot of moments in this movie where yeah, everybody looks kind of tired more so than the second because we we brought that up in yeah. the second movie and this. Feels a little bit, I don't know. McGuire looks a little invigorated, especially when he gets to do the 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 really obnoxious the, stuff, the goofy stuff. So I think he gets he feels like he has fun with that. But there's some stuff, especially early on, where they're just like, oh my god, can we can we be done? Well, the funny thing is with Tobey Maguire, and I is is very like if you look at Tobey Maguire's filmography, he's he never gets to play goofy silly stuff. So like when he gets to play goofy silly, he loves it. Like he yeah. did that really. Dumb, dumb miniseries um, that Will Ferrell produced. One I don't know if you ever saw it. Mm-mm. It was like um, it was like a um, it, it was like a parody of those made for TV miniseries 
from back in the day, like North and South or the Thornbirds. Uh-huh. He did one of those. Uh-huh. And he was in it, and he played this incredibly goofy character. But I may he, know what you're talking about. It's just not. Yeah. He loved it. And and he he would eat it up, and I think that's what he likes. I mean, like uh, Tropic Thunder when he does that the the one parody. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he plays like the the guy who's making out with Robert Downey Jr. Um, like or the priest who makes out with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, like that's like he really digs that because he has to play it straight all oh, the, the time. Spo- it's called the Spoils of Babylon. Yeah, the Spoils of Babylon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I I honestly just I think there were a lot of problems. In terms of, like, people are just like, no, we don't want to do this. And this is, yeah, a prime example of studio meddling. Let's get into, let's get into like, what we really liked about this movie. I, yeah. I actually liked this movie quite more than I thought I would. Me too. And I think it benefits from the fact that I didn't see it in 2007. I yeah. think if you go into this, like, and you're on a high of really liking those movies... I can see how at the time this might be a disappointment because it's yeah. just there's so much kind of going on and the the dopey, you know, Peter Parker thing uh, just doesn't work. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's very it's totally all over the place. Structurally, it's <laughs> kind yeah. of a disaster, but. It's super I've, fun to watch, I guess. I actually think structurally it's better than Spider-Man 2. <clears throat> um, I was actually, one of my things... No, I, was, I don't, I disagree only because the whole Sandman thing never, I, I just, I it doesn't, kept forgetting. It doesn't, that, it doesn't pay off. No. I kept forgetting that he was even in the movie <laughs> and what was happening there. Well, let me, let me put it, uh, you know, we talked about last time about Spider-Man 2, about how the one critic said it followed kind of a comic booky format. And I was, I was really like, and going back and thinking about it, I disagree. This movie is definitely this movie a comic book. follows like a comic book arc perfectly. Almost to the point where it's like, you have that opening fight between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin where he gets amnesia. I'm like, this is like straight out of a comic book. Mm-hmm. And then it sets up like of him getting his his memory back. And you could almost see like like the the part where like Harry like has the thought bubble that says like, I remember what happened. Yeah. Spider-Man killed my father, you know? And it's like you could almost like see the thought bubbles above sure. people's heads. Or like Peter going like Oh, Mary Jane doesn't like me anymore. I wonder why. Or Mary Jane like crying and going like, "Peter will never truly understand." You uh-huh. know, like you can almost see that on screen, yeah. and it works really well in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I think, but I'm talking like in terms of back, like old Stanley, uh, Steve Ditko comics, like maybe, and like I think that's part of the problem with like Sand and uh, Venom is that that his shtick, Venom shtick, doesn't really work in this world. That makes sense. Yeah, like, he's he's out of out of time at this point. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very he's very anachronistic to mm-hmm. how these characters are acting. Yeah, like I like the Eddie Brock thing. I think like the idea of Peter Parker, you know, t- taking down Eddie Brock would have been great. Maybe that could have been saved for another movie. Like they could have arced that plot into like a Spider-Man four or five. Yeah, him come back. Maybe not as the villain of this one. Mm-hmm. But then again. Since they didn't focus on Sandman that much, Sandman was just kind of like the muscle of this one. You really don't have yeah. that emotional third act of Harry's redemption. Mm-hmm. Like you have no one. Like he could, they could have fought the Sandman together, but there was what would motivate the Sandman to fight Spider Man? 
Like mm-hmm. there was no, there was none of that. There was no. There needed to be that other element, that element X, which Venom filled in for. But it just, I don't think that felt fit very well. Yeah, he never really. I, I never cared about sort of his motivation. I mean, trying to make it um, where oh, I actually killed Uncle Ben. Like, yeah, yeah, but he didn't even. He's not even a bad guy. Like, I think that that makes sense because you said oh, he's actually also been a hero at some point. Yeah, so I'm like okay, well maybe that's they didn't want him to be. They wanted him to be sympathetic. This whole movie is about... It's about a lot of things, but <laughs> primarily this movie is about Peter Parker... I don't want to say getting forgiveness, but sort of growing up, I guess, and kind of understanding a little bit of like what it really... Yeah. What he really needs to do kind of for the people around him and how to really... It resolves the storyline with him and Harry. Uh, not by killing Harry, but they, become, <laughs> but they become friends first. Yeah. Um, it resolves a lot of that. It I, tentatively resolves the, the Mary Jane story. Had there been a four, I'm sure there would have been more, more uh, will trouble in paradise yeah. again. Um, this movie also does a lot with one of the things I really like is it does a lot with doubles, doubles and mirror images, oh, and yeah. reflections and stuff like that. Not in a, not in an overly symbolic way, I don't think. <laughs> although that's certainly there, but you've got you know Peter and Eddie Brock are basically the same person. Would you say they're two sides of the same coin? There's a lot of that because then you get the Harry who's evil, and then you get the Harry who's like, "I would give my life for my friends." Yeah, <laughs> let's make eggs and dance, you know. And then what you song get... were they playing? I, I meant to take a note of that. It was like the twist, the, the twist, twist. Chubby yeah. Checker. It yeah. was thankfully not Mr. Sandman, oh, uh, which would have been. <laughs> I kept waiting for that song but, to show up. I mean, up. like, who's just listening to Chubby Checker? Like, no one just listens to Chubby Checker. The only time you ever hear Chubby Checker is like when you're at a wedding and they're like, "Everybody didn't ask for it. Yeah. do the twist." That's the only time you ever hear the twist being played. It <laughs> was less painful to watch than the dancing scene in the last Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah, that was bad with the Nick ta- uh, the Nick Cave, Cave yeah. sorry, Nick Drake, the Nick Cave song. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that, and obviously there's a lot of like reflecting reflected yeah. images, and then there's the there's the Peter Parker that's a doofus, and then there's evil Peter and good Spider Man, bad. Spider-Man. I mean, there's so much of that, and it's the movie is really trying to focus on resolving all of that, and it really does a good job with that stuff. But then it's like, but then you go. Oh, and then there's a sand sand guy. There's a sand guy over here. Yeah. He, he's, I mean, like, he like can fly around as sand for some reason. One of the big, <laughs> one, one, actually, <laughs> what I think is messing up the flow. What I, what I think is one of the big themes of this movie is actually redemption. You know, yeah, it's redemption. Like, yeah, I mean, because like Sandman is looking mm-hmm. for redemption. Um, you know, uh, uh, Peter is looking for redemption in the eyes of Mary Jane. Uh, Harry ends up finding redemption. I mean, he's looking to, I oh, that's because there's that scene where, you know, it's like where Harry's like, no, my dad loved me. And yeah. Peter goes, no, he, you were a big disappointment to him. Don't yeah. you remember any of this? Right. <laughs> and, and Witherspoon in the bag is like, yes, Mr. Osborne, <laughs> you were a huge disappointment to your father. <laughs> Can anyone else see that Butler? <laughs> Ghost Butler. Is he really here? Um, yeah, it's 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 the the revenge motif. Yeah, that's been a part of all three movies, um, coming 
to its logical conclusion yeah. of it's not you know you have to let these things go you know you have to forgive the the guy who killed because he doesn't get a chance to 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 forgive Peter Stormare who we he thinks <laughs> killed his uncle yeah because he accidentally dies so he doesn't get a chance to do that so he's been torn about that this whole time now it's like oh wait the guy who killed him is actually still there and now I get a chance to uh, forgive him. And same thing with Harry. It's, I get a chance to forgive you, but also know I'm dying. <laughs> oh, he dies. So, yes, redemption slash forgiveness, it's all kind of part of it. Yeah, it, it's, a, you know, the whole big redemption. It's all yeah. part of it. Yeah, thing. And I think, I, I actually think that it, it works, and it's a pretty good end cap to the kind of the, Mar- the Spider-Man trilogy, if you will. Mm-hmm. This is using trilogy in a very loose term. Yeah, there's, it's just three yeah. movies, but there's some kind of arc i suppose you can yeah. you can certainly make the case which we're kind of trying to do right now but i mean even spider-man gets redeemed in the eyes of new york too throughout this movie you know because like everyone loves spider-man oh he's got the black costume spider-man's bad yeah oh that spider-man is a bad guy oh now he's good again yay everyone loves spider-man yay yeah, yeah. it's it, it works you know mm-hmm. i i think J. Jonah jameson of course was underused in this movie <laughs> Yeah, the funny scene where he gets ripped off by the kid for the for the toy. Camera, Sam Raimi's but... daughter, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. She actually played that part. Nice. But yeah, and I there's certain things that I do love. I love the fact that it was very like a very silly, uh, like especially Harry's character was so silly in this movie. Oh, yeah. It was great. I loved it, and I loved how, I loved the emo Peter scene. Everyone hates the emo Peter. I thought it was. Hysterical. It's very funny. It, you can't take it seriously. If you're expecting it to, if you're expecting like that he would be like brooding or like that it would be, it makes so much more sense that he would yeah, really enjoy that freedom for a change. And obviously it causes a ton of problems and he eventually figures that out. But yeah, it's super fun to watch. I agree. And I, like that was, that's the, like, yeah, I know it's like, it's silly to the max, which makes it kind of, un- and I could see that like just after Dark Knight coming out, people like being like, I don't want to see this. Yeah. And I don't want to see like goofy Spider-Man. I want to see like dark and gritty. Sp- I want to see Spider-Man fight Rasha Ghoul. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, it, like going like hindsight 2020 it's like spider-man 2 everyone loved because it it took spider-man so seriously and i'm like oh my god this is just keeps going and this one would <laughs> take spider-man on such a like a goofy level i'm enjoying it because i'm like this is silly and stupid this is like kind of what i want to see yeah almost to the point of like that like spider-man homecoming it's like i'm looking forward to it because if it takes it in this not so serious direction it'll be enjoyable yeah i i think yeah that movie will it probably won't be sort of cringe silly like no. this sometimes <laughs> is. Yeah. Sometimes is, but uh, I think it'll be as light. Yeah. Um, and I hope to see a villain or at least a foil as ridiculous as Harry and Eddie are in this. Oh, my God. And, you know, that's not to say that I'm like I'm giving this movie like a heap of praise because there's a ton wrong with this movie. Oh, yeah. Like we already <laughs> talked about it. Like it's structurally a, a like all over the place. Yeah. But it, it, it works in terms of like if you look at it as a comic book, but as a movie, it does not work. <laughs> um, and it's uh, it, yeah, the, uh, the Topher Grace is just so unlikable that it sh- you can't. Like, that's the way his character's supposed to be in a lot of ways, but, like, he becomes Venom, like, 15 minutes before the movie's over, 
And then you're like, well, how am I, what's, let's go. Okay. I'm just going to go with this. <laughs> all right. All right. And Sandman, they try to do the Dr. Octopus thing where they try to give him this, this background, this, this Batman heart of ice background where, you know, you're supposed to feel bad for him, but he's just so like, he's like Frankenstein. Yeah. He's just like. <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church smack. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. You're like, oh, I can't take Lowell from, <laughs> from Wayne <laughs> seriously as no. the bad guy. Exactly. He got the part because of the movie Sideways, by the way. Sure. Yeah, he yeah. was all, uh, he got some Remember praise. Sideways? Remember yeah, how I that do. entered the cultural lexicon for a brief two years in the mid-2000s? Yeah. It was the worst <laughs> thing that ever happened to Merlot. <laughs> It actually was uh, Paul Giamatti went on to play the villain, the Rhino, in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. There you go. So See? all we're missing is Margaret, not Margaret Cho, uh, Sandra O. Oh. Sandra O. Oh, right. Yeah. We're just missing From her. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And Spider-Man Universe. Who was the other woman in that movie? I don't know. You don't know. I just I remember Sandra O. Oh yeah. and Paul Giamatti and all that. Oh. That movie was awful. <laughs> it was just white people complaining about things. Yeah. Well, Sandra O's. Oh we. Yeah. yeah. But we, but you know what I mean. It's, it, it's upper middle class people complaining about things while drinking yeah. wine. We do that. Rob, it's your turn. Okay, I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Mm. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, off of Nevermind. Oh, no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a... Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection, the song is Radiation oh, Ruling the Nation. kind of a new record. Excuse very me, I in, in a minute. Time. Very nice, Rob. A sly declaration of new classic status slipped into a list of old safe ones. Very pussy. So uh, we're going to do our top three today. Yes. Um, because last week we didn't do a top three because of the... Uh, the um, Just be, comic the, book news. Got comic book news. Stuff we wanted to do. Um, we're we're going to do our one that we were going to do for Spider-Man 2. For Which Spider-Man actually has 3. nothing to do, do with, with any of these movies, no. but... Uh, we're going to do, since we, uh, we did, uh, for the very first movie, we did a uh, top three New York movies. We're not from New York. I've only been to New York once or twice. Uh, I don't really have any affinity for it. Uh, let's do our top three Chicago movies. Yeah. Well, Spider-Man 2 was filmed in Chicago. Yeah. So I don't Spider-Man, know about three. No, three was not. Oh, well. And the only other movie. Was comic- it filmed in Montreal? Can we do our top three Montreal movies? <laughs> they would have been filmed in Toronto. Liberté de Quebec. <laughs> Vive Quebec. No, I'm just kidding. I have no stake in that. I do. I want. <laughs> I want a free Quebec. Um, that way, the maritime provinces will become part of the United States. <laughs> PEI wow. for the win. Um, <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, yeah, the only other comic book movie filmed in New York and in Chicago may appear on this list for one of us. So um, maybe I, we we may have some overlap. I'm honestly not sure. It's, uh, it's a it's a very real possibility that there's yeah, some overlap. Um, so, uh, you want me to start with... Yeah, with, you, you go ahead and start with your number three. Okay. Um, so, my number three, uh, it's kind of hard for me because there's a lot of movies that I love about Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I'll, I'll probably... I'll regret doing this as my number three because <laughs> I might, you might have it higher on your list, but I put The Dark Knight. I mean, it's not a Chicago movie. Uh, no. It's, it's, you know, it's... 
it's not a movie that says this is Chicago, but it's so Chicago that it's it's almost it, it should just be like Gotham City is a neighborhood in Chicago. We mentioned okay. that in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's like there's it's so iconic. Of I Chicago. never thought of that. I actually just I mean my my picks were all literally their movies. Yeah, about Chicago, or uh, they're just Chicago movies. It's there's not. It's it's very a fictional city that. It's very rare that a movie, like, really... I don't think there's a single movie about Chicago that was filmed in, like, the 2000s that really captures Chicago as well as that movie does. Hmm. I mean, you get just shots of, like, city streets, LaSalle Street, Lakeshore Drive, all the major buildings. It's just... You can't help being from that city and being proud when watching that movie. Like, that's... I live there. Sure, yeah. I think it's an interesting pick. I, I never considered that. Um, I see what you're saying. I think what what's interesting, though, is if you're not familiar with Chicago, if you're not from Chicago, none of that registers. No, yeah. You have to really, like, when they're doing, like, lower, what do they call it? Lower, lower, lower third or oh, whatever. Yeah, lower third. But it's wet. That's Wacker Drive. We yeah. know that. It's There's upper and there's lower Wacker, and they go down in there, and when they're in the tunnels with the truck... We've driven that many, yeah, many times. Exactly. And it's, and it's and it's that terrifying. There really are I think we made that joke when we talked about the movie. Yeah. There's still the burned out <laughs> trucks are still there. Um Yeah, I mean and I think <laughs> but I think that's what's great about it is that like it's one of those things it's one of those movies It's really it's just an extra fun thing for us to to get out even, of the movie. Even still it's I think people who see that movie and then come and visit Chicago. If you're a fan of The Dark Knight and you come yeah, and visit true. Chicago, you could be like, holy crap, that, you know, mm-hmm. that movie really did feature the city as opposed to like another movie that could have been like, oh, yeah, this movie takes place in Chicago. Well, none of it was filmed in Chicago. It was all filmed in Toronto, where Chicago, right. you know, which was the stand in because it was cheaper to film in than Chicago. So it's like. I think it does a better job of servicing the city than most other, than a lot of other movies. What's your number three? Well, my number three is uh, The Untouchables. Ah, so good. it's a movie that uh, was filmed in Chicago, features yeah. a ton of historic Chicago locations. Watch the Chicago way. But you've got to have that. I mean, that is a movie that is set in, filmed in, and about... Out. Chicago. And Bobby De Niro as as El Capone. Yeah, and you know what? I actually I had seen this movie when I was younger. This I, movie I know that I had that well. seen parts of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I disagree because oh, I no, actually I, saw it for the first time. I I'll say saw. I've seen. I'd seen it before here. That I think I've I saw parts it. of I've it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen this movie. Um, I watched it for the first time. Sat down like as an adult, going to watch it from beginning to end. Um. Like a year ago, like within the last year, yeah. I think I watched. I it. just rewatched it like a year ago, too. and uh, I loved it. I loved it. I think it's such a great. Let, let me say uh, the only thing that didn't age well is the soundtrack. The soundtrack to that movie is terrible. Yeah, yeah. I don't really. I think it's more remember, Kone. but. Oh, may- oh, maybe. Yeah, it and it's be. all like super synthy heavy. It's De Palma's oh. like probably his most like accessible. Well, it's it's his most accessible. It's probably his most like. Um, it's may it may or may not be his most well regarded. It's definitely one of them. It's the one that people who don't like De Palma will generally give him. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, yeah, but he did the Untouchables. Um, <laughs> you know, they might not give him Scarface. 
They may not give him carry. I say you got to give him carry. Um, that's where I would start. I'm not a big De Palma head. There's a, a lot big, of talk yeah. about De Palma in general right now because yeah. that documentary just came yeah. out, and a lot he's, of people are t- watching a lot of his movies. He's a he's not he's, he's not a div- sleazy Hitchcock. Yeah, he's not, and like, he'll tell you that. I mean, he knows exactly that's what he's doing. He's sleazy Hitchcock. If you ever watch Hitchcock and you're like, why doesn't anybody get naked? That's you want to watch a De Palma movie. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah, I mean, I I'll get like most of De Palma's big movies. I enjoy, and I sure. I do like, I do really like Untouchables. Like, and of course, the Battleship Potemkin staircase scene. Yes, yeah, doing the Odessa staircase. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the, it's great. It's a yeah. it's a great like mobster movie. It's the cops. It's it's of about course, the crime. Of course, I'm an Irishman. <laughs> Exactly. Oh you my bring God. a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> what, what it's like they bring. Uh, you bring a knife. We bring a gun. That's the Chicago way, or yeah. something like that. I, I can't. Re- I can never remember the, the full line. Every, it's so good. It's one of those guy. It's a guy movie. It's a real guy movie. Guys, it is. Yeah, it's one of those movies that guys sit around and talk about. Remember the Untouchables. Honorable mention. I, I we would normally do this after, but I'll just say because it's not on my list, but it's related. Honorable mention. You could just as easily put the 1938 Scarface in yeah. that slot for the exact same reason. Yeah. <laughs> Never liked the original 1938 Scarface. It's it's that's one that doesn't age as well. If either. I'm going if I'm going for a 1930s gangster movie, I'm going White Heat. White Heat's good. Look, my king of the world. White Heat's good. Yeah. All right. Your my, number two. My number two, actually, um, I think this movie may have shown up on a movie. On a, I think this was um, my best of, 19, I think we did 1983 when we did uh, our best of 1983 list. Might have. Um, Risky Business. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sad that it made, it's made a comeback on my list. Uh, just to go over it again, uh, a great one. It was on, I think it was on my list, maybe. Maybe no, that's what it was. I, I really like Maybe Risk, we both yeah. did. Maybe. It could be. Um, I'd have to go back. What movie did we do from 1983? I God, honestly I don't, don't remember. remember. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. We need like an intern or somebody to volunteer their time we... and help us produce <laughs> these things because our memories are shot. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I remember my top movie was Jedi. That's the only thing I remember. But Risky Business, 1983. Um, it's one of those weird movies that in the 1980s where everything was about the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. Um, and of course, Tom Cruise plays, you know, this teenage guy, you know, hanging out with uh, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, you know, Rebecca De Mornay's in it. Uh, the, the very famous, you know, L track, you know, making out on there. It's very steamy sex scenes. Drake Hotel. Just a very formidable movie of my youth. <laughs> We did it for X Men Apocalypse, oh, which was it takes set that in 1983. That's, That's right. why we couldn't remember what 80s movie we watched. <laughs> Jesus, that was going to drive me nuts if I didn't look at it. Yeah, I know we did re- talk about Risky Business during that yeah, um, podcast. One just, of us put it on. Just like when I think of Chicago, it's a very, it's another one of those movies that it though it doesn't feature the city very much. It's it's I think it's very Chicago and like. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Uh, John Hughes movies are not on my list. Uh, mine, neither are mine because I didn't want anything that was the suburbs of Chicago necessarily. Yeah, and, but that's why I like this movie because it's not just the suburbs. It's 
the city like he, it's the way you look at, at the city, city when, when you, you live in the suburbs. thank you they, yes. I, I, was, they, I couldn't figure out how to put that into words but it's yeah it's like the city's this place where the big people go and have sex on subways <laughs> you know <laughs> anyway which, which, which you would never actually uh, do as we said in the previous podcast you don't sit in that puddle that puddle's been there longer than you <laughs> exactly what's your number two uh, my number two is a movie that uh kind of not quite like the Untouchables, that's very much steeped in Chicago in the history. Um, this movie probably could have taken place anywhere, um, and in fact, I think the book it's uh, London. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's High Fidelity. It is London and High Fidelity. Uh, yeah. From 2000. I did read the book. The book is quite good. Oh, the book is um, fantastic. Yeah. If you like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the author. About um, a boy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. We both know it. It's just, <sighs> oh, it's on the tip of my tongue there. Um, I shouldn't have asked if, unless I knew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, Nick Hornby. Nick Hornby. There you go. Yeah, I've read a couple of his. <laughs> Nick I, Hornby. <laughs> I, I read a couple of, I've read a couple of his books and I, I generally like him, but, uh, this is definitely of course, one he of those loves, movies like, that. He, his movies are all about like baseball and collecting vinyl. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? The original Fever Pitch yeah, yeah, is a soccer movie. It's about soccer, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. yeah. As opposed anyway. to the Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore, yeah. Boston Red Sox movie. Yeah. See, because pitch, pitch is also a baseball, baseball term, term and a soccer term with different, uh, we call it soccer here. Um, <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, High Fidelity, you know, it's one of those where. I mean, it's great regardless of whether we were talking about Chicago movies, but I think it's just the proximity, our proximity to Chicago gives it kind of like, I guess maybe what you were talking about a little bit or what I took away from what you were talking about with The Dark Knight. The fact that it is Chicago gives you sort of an extra layer of appreciating, just an extra way to kind of get into and appreciate that movie. Well, I think... Out of all of the places that High Fidelity could have taken place, like if you transported it to America, Chicago is one of the best places to do it because A, Chicago does have a thriving used music scene. Like mm-hmm. like there's tons of you this is before like the the vinyl revival of yeah, like, now everybody ago. has. Yeah. This was stores. like even like there was used record stores all over the city. I mean, they've grown great. That have been open for, for decades. decades. Yeah, they're still there. And not only that, it has a thriving independent music scene, mm-hmm. like which the movie relies on quite heavily. Um, going to clubs, seeing new acts. It's like mm-hmm. that's Chicago. I mean, like only place I could think of that's anywhere like aside from New York is probably like maybe Minneapolis is the place that you'd go to see like punk music scene. The, yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like you don't do that. Different than like Austin, where you would go to like a bit where you would play after you've kind of made it. Yeah, Chicago is a is a very like it's yeah. for up and coming, especially even like when when the movie come out oh two two thousand two thousand and two thousand you still had a ton of indie and punk clubs that were open off the alley down in Homewood. You know all these different places. Yeah. that are now closed. You mm-hmm. you would go to see. Bands, and I'm not talking like, oh, the Fireside Bowl. Um, yeah. Yeah, all these places that, like, y- some of them are still open, but there was mm-hmm. a, there's dozens of places you'd go just to see bands. Sure. And that's what this movie really focuses heavy on, and I think that's why it works so well for the city of Chicago. Because Chicago, though it's not necessarily known as a huge music scene, I mean, it's gotten more of, like, an R&B rap it's thing now. It's always very, yeah, it's very eclectic. There's yeah. never been a single... Chicago scene. Chicago scene, exactly. Yeah, and I, that's why I think High Fidelity is a great Chicago movie. Mm-hmm. It, okay. However, my caveat on High Fidelity is that um, it's a breakup movie for me, 
and I could only really uh, watch it when I'd broken up with a girl. And now that I've been married for like uh, eight years, it's very hard for me to go back and watch that movie because I don't relate anymore. <laughs> yeah. However, the this it's so bad to talk about, but that scene where he meets up with that girl and then uh, she goes over like how she had that horrible, horrible uh, sexual oh, assault. Yes. And then he's like excited because he realizes that it's it not completely goes over his head. It's so wonderfully done. Like it's just yeah. so heart wrenching at the it's same awful, time. Yeah, and you're supposed to be like, "Are you kidding me, me with this guy?" Yeah, but it's very, it's a very. He's such a selfish guy. He's a self absorbed. Yeah, you know, and and that is how he would react. And it's horrible, but it's. I agree with you. It's, well, it's, it's well done, and you're supposed to be very conflicted about yeah. how you feel about that scene. Well, and not to mention that, but there's also like that cut scene that I really like, where he goes to that woman's house, and her husband's cheating on him, on on her. Yeah, and she's tr- selling his vinyl collection, and he's like, I, I can't, I can't do it. And she's just like, I'll give sell to you for hundred bucks. And he's like, I, and it's like an original pressing of like the Clash, yeah. and it's like all this stuff. Yeah, and he's like, I, I can't do it. And it's such a great. Like, and I'm just kind of sad that they cut it because not only is it like just a fun scene, but it's just it's such a great insight into his character that he can't understand that this girl had a, was a, is like a sexual assault survivor, and but he's so in his own mind, but yet he can think about this poor guy in his record collection. Like, it's just it's so it's such a great character thing for yeah. him. I mean, that has nothing to do with Chicago. It's just a great scene. With sure, the movie. yeah. My number one, you know what it is. It's the Blues Brothers. So is mine. Yeah, that's that's got to be the number one. I mean, it's the the most obvious one. I it's I not... thought about not making it my number one just because I knew you would, and I was like, ah, let's maybe it's a little too on the nose. But I I wouldn't be able to forgive myself. <laughs> I, I honestly thought you were going to do Ferris Bueller. No, you know, I've never been huge on Ferris Bueller. I do I do really I love, like it. I do really love Ferris Bueller. Um, as I didn't grow up with that movie. I think I needed to have grown up with that yeah. movie. Um, w- I did grow up watching the Blues Brothers. Um, let me put it to you this way. I grew up, I was born in 1981. I was born on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> uh, and when I say the south side of Chicago, I mean the south side, not the south suburbs. I was born on the south side of Chicago. Yep. There is no movie that encapsulates my youth, like growing up in the city of Chicago, than the Blues Brothers. Every dirty street... And every grime-filled alley or store they go into is something out of my youth. Mm-hmm. Um, when they play at the South Shore Country Club at the end, I swam at the beach at the South Shore Country Club. It's not like an actual country club; like you have to pay membership to get it. You could just go into the beach. Yeah. It's not. It's like a pulpit. <laughs> it's just a nicer version of Calumet Beach. It's there's yeah. still gun casings all over the place. <laughs> um, when they're dancing out on Taylor, I would I would go to Taylor Street and get food mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, you know, we'd go to the Museum of Science and Industry through the park that they run over the Illinois Nazis. Um, I would drive over that bridge that they jumped over. I would I would drive past the mall that they went to. Um, I know this is, you know, has nothing to do with the movie itself, but that's my youth. Like, no, there's, I, this I, is like, these were all real places that everyone yeah. experienced. Yeah, that that is the I I think the definitive Chicago movie, and I think for a certain, I can understand. I mean, it only came out a couple of years before nineteen eighty. Um, Ferris Bueller did. I yeah. don't know when it when 84. Ferris Bueller came out. So yeah, so I mean, and yet they feel like they're 
different generations, which is interesting. I always consider the Blues Brothers is the Chicago White Sox to Ferris Bueller's The Cubs. That makes sense. Yeah. It's one is a dirty, dirty place that you never want to go and visit. <laughs> But right. yet you're stuck living there. Yeah. Like, that's your reality. And Ferris Bueller is this pristine north side version of what the city of Chicago is. And then we're going to go back home to, to the suburbs where we actually live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to go to the art museum. Yeah. Okay, so we have one day to plan in all of Chicago. <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, first of all, we should go to the art museum. Right. And, and <laughs> We should go to the art institute. Let me say it right. Now, the art institute, if you've never been there, is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you could go there and tour the entire museum in one day. You could do maybe a gallery in one day like you could do their renaissance gallery in one day yeah you can't do the whole museum and of course they're standing there in front of you know uh the george surratt uh yeah where they're in the park yeah the, i the, can't remember what it's called but a day i think it's a uh day in the park day uh mm -hmm. a, you know whatever it's the grand jeté whatever the, the big thing that yeah. you you go up the stairs it's the big it's the all pointless big it's all little dots see. little yes. dots everywhere dots the dots in the park <laughs> and of course there's no one around By george sarrett yeah <laughs> sunday in the park that's what it's called um there's no one around it and if you go there it's kind of like the mona lisa in a lot of ways like there's always a big crowd of people around that painting mainly because of fortunately <laughs> it, fortunately it's uh six thousand percent larger than the mona lisa <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's enormous it is and you know of course you get that great shot of him you know with the with the music with that soft music and then we're gonna go to the stock exchange we're gonna go there and hang out for a little bit yeah hang out in a box then we're gonna go to get a cubs game we're gonna go from uh, Congress and, you know, Congress and, and LaSalle. We're going to go from Congress and LaSalle all the way up to Madison. It would take you the entire day just to get from there to there. Well, you can take the red line. But the, aside from the point. Or, well, they or, drive. That's yeah, the they thing. Drive they too. drive, They drive. And then they're, you know, and then they're able to get. It must be a Sunday. It no, has to be no, a Sunday. No, it's a school day. I know. And they're able to get back home before 3.30. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> That is not happening. They get to the north suburbs. In order to get back home to the north suburbs from Wrigley Field, what do you think they, they, to get back up? home at 3.30, <laughs> they would have had to have left at, at probably noon, noon <laughs> to, get, to get home in time. Yeah. So they're like, well... And this was before any of the extensions out on the out on the Eisenhower. It's it's a mess. Well, I don't have any of the uh, uh, associations you have with the Blues Brothers necessarily, but I will oh, say yeah. that I lived. Uh, yeah, our number one pick was actually the Blues, Blues Brothers, Brothers, not Ferris Bueller. But <laughs> let's call this the Ferris Bueller like memorial list because yeah. uh, that's the best we can do. We. Um, I, I didn't I didn't grow up quite in the, the south side, uh, but when my parents moved to Lockport, that was right next door to Joliet, and I used to drive, on my way to work, I used to drive <laughs> past Statesville Prison. Where, With the sign that say, do not pick up uh, hitchhikers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, they're not all, uh, they're not all Jim Belushi. Yeah. They're not all jolly fat guys. Yeah. <laughs> Like to come pick me up in a cop car. <laughs> it's got cop brakes, cop suspension. Anyway, it's great. If you don't, uh, if you haven't seen that one, obviously it's it, because maybe it's, there's some, there's a lot of people who don't like that movie because I think they feel like it's like it's like it's like a, it's like a dad movie or it's like an uncool movie or it's, it's just a, part it is, of another world and it is. But it's also a ton of fun. I mean, the musical numbers are great. Yeah, both choreographed and just. 
sung beautifully. That is one of the best original soundtrack albums of all time. Um, Cab Calloway doing Minnie the Moocher. Mm-hmm. Um, Aretha Franklin doing uh, um, um, Respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you got... Um, uh, now we are talking about Blues Brothers and not Blues Brothers 2000. 2000 with John Goodman. Um, Ray Charles, of course, Shake Your Tail Feather. Um, it, oh, it's just gorgeous soundtrack just yeah. of blues before I knew what blues was. And, sure. And actually, the Blues Brothers, for being two white guys from Saturday Night Live, actually pretty good albums from back in the day. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not great, but they're no. pretty good. They, they knew what they were doing. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, they, they embodied a certain thing yeah. in those characters. Belushi got it. I mean, he had a musical presence. You should, if you could ever look up his G- Joe Cocker impression. That's, oh, well, that's yeah, that's yeah. essential. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's just, it's fantastic. It's it's one of the best movies ever. And actually, the gas station where uh, I, you know, I I drive past the gas station where he picks up Twiggy almost every no. day. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, I got a bunch of um. Of honorable mentions, though, um, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know most of the of the the John Hughes the movies, John the Hughes movies. Club. You know, Home Alone, even though that's Chris Columbus, but still mm-hmm. under that kind of production thing. Sixteen Candles, um, Candyman, Cabrini Green, yeah, Candyman. It, it, definitely, if it was doing like a top ten, definitely yeah. Candyman would be on there. That's a it's a really fun movie. Yeah, Backdraft. Oh, the Fireman movie. Yeah, great one. Um. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know North by Northwest was a Chicago movie. Mm. I, I totally forgot about that. Um, and the, the and, and because Gary Marshall just died recently, yeah, nothing in common. The Jackie Gleason Tom Hanks movie. Okay, <laughs> it's an awful movie, but I just wanted to include it because of Gary sure. Marshall who just died from us. Yeah, call me Gary. Yeah. All right, so um, just we're going to do some comic book news. I know we went a little long on Chicago, but we're both from Chicago, so why not talk about it a little bit? Um, this is um, San Diego Comic-Con weekend. Yay! Yay! I went there once. It was It's a little overrated, but it was still fun. <laughs> um, Marvel uh, showed a bunch of its uh, new bunch stuff, of stuff. Bunch of stuff. Mostly TV. Mostly the Netflix mm-hmm. stuff. Um, they previewed not only Luke Cage, which is the next uh, Marvel series. Mm-hmm. They did Iron Fist, and yeah. they also teased the event, uh, Defenders as well. Yes, which is pretty cool. And confirmed Daredevil season three. three. We already know that we're getting season two of Jessica Jones. Okay, yeah, AKA Jessica Jones, as it was known in this pre-production phase. Aka, Aka. Uh, so those were like that's the big thing. And if you, I would go check it out. You get to see a little bit of uh, Finn Jones as as like a really scruffy Danny Rand, Iron Fist. Uh, the Luke Cage one is really cool. I, I dug that that mm-hmm. preview quite a bit. Um, also, Agents of Shield. Uh, they just announced this today. Is getting Ghost Rider. Yeah, and it's not Nick Cage. No. So. He, well, you knew it wasn't going to be Nick Cage. No. But. I can't believe they are giving Ghost Rider to Agents of Shield. I cannot believe. I'm a little that. surprised that they're not working it in or doing a standalone film. I cannot 
understand that at all. But maybe I don't know. Maybe they just have an idea. They probably they, they have think to have it s- makes sense there. I don't know. I kind of stopped watching Shield. Agents of Shield. Like I did not like the latest season. We yeah, we caught up with. Well, this was season. Did season two just finish or season three? Season three just finished. I got as far as the girl came back from the alternate dimension mm-hmm. uh, where everything was blue. It was like a desert and everything was blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I get a couple of episodes past that and I was like, they haven't spin in their wheels They were just... It's the problem. 22 episodes is too long and I don't have that kind of time and no. give me the gist of it. To be fair, Agent Carter was only a 10 episode season and I can't, I couldn't get through the new season <laughs> of Agent Carter. couldn't get through that either. Yeah, no. Well, that's not coming back. So. No, it's not. Um, I, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I think this might be like a last gasp effort from them. Like, let's Maybe. give them... Because my, my biggest complaint with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the last two years is you guys need superheroes yeah you guys there hasn't been a lot of to really it's just been a procedural yeah basically and not even and like making up characters yeah like who kind of have powers well quake isn't really made up she's actually a character from the comic books oh. but it was like it got really great when you had what's his face from uh, twin peaks why can't i think of his name kyle mclaughlin kyle mclaughlin he on was there's, great he was mr hyde and i'm like oh it's mr hyde from the comics this is great and he gets all like he just gets like hairy eyebrows and he gets all mean yeah <laughs> i'm like but that's great because it's kyle mclaughlin like chewing scenery and that's what i want to see sure so maybe this will be good for yeah. for ghost rider maybe maybe not i don't know He's going to be all broody. He's going to be like, mm. Got a flaming skull for a head. I have a motorcycle, though. Vroom, vroom. Nick Cage is so great as Ghost Rider. I cannot <laughs> wait to do those movie, that movie. I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> got some time this fall. Got some holes in the schedule that we got to fill. I just, I'm just excited to actually do a Nick Cage movie. I cannot wait. Um, but that, those, yeah, so that's the big things from, from Marvel TV. Um, they teased a little bit more with... Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch from Doctor Strange. You could look up a lot of the stuff that they're doing there. No. I was kind of hoping for a new trailer. Nothing has dropped on that, which is kind of no. surprising. Like, this is the big push, guys. Where's the Where's the trailer? It's coming out in a couple months. Yeah. We're almost there. Um, Suicide Squad debuted a new trailer with more uh, Jared Leto as the Joker in it. Have not watched it. I'm trying to watch fewer trailers. I'll like I'll I'll post them, you know, <laughs> to our Facebook page, and you yeah. guys can watch them. I'm trying to watch fewer. I just don't. They did a. I don't want to know. There was know? a. I know it wasn't enough. the same trailer, but they did a a somewhat newer recut of the older trailer with a little bit newer footage. Okay. For in front of Ghostbusters that I saw. Um, ah, okay. And uh, we didn't get that one. It was weird. The trailers in front of Ghostbusters I saw were all like, it was like the opera singer movie and like the Bridget Jones sequel. I got like a lot of like lady weird. empowerment movies. Well, it's the, the new Ghostbusters. I think because of that. Because of that, but they yeah. didn't go into the to the. Con- I, I said that condescendingly. I didn't really mean <laughs> to say lady empowerment oh, movies. But you know what I mean. Like I got a lot of like there was going like they just were like. There's gonna be a lot of women here. Let's play these yeah. very I got uh, you know targeted I think trailers. I got, I got La La Land. Oh, I didn't get that, but I've seen that trailer. I did, it looks so great. I, it looks great. So I just, great. I'm if not you're me. I'm not. I don't. I don't <laughs> quite get what the movie's about. But it's a musical. Oh, I know it's a musical. It's going but to I mean, be like, a very hey, sort of fantastical musical. Hey, I got an idea. Let's show this like big flashy 1940s style musical, and we'll just have Ryan Gosling singing really slowly throughout the entire trailer. That's what I want to see. I mean, the, yeah, the teaser. It's yeah. It was. It, I, I, yeah. I I I, I want to see it, it because I know who's the guy behind who did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm just like his name escapes me. But in your Ritu. 
<laughs> oh god that'd be awesome it's gonna be three hours long and awful <laughs> i like birdman i know you did um but yeah i saw i saw that one and i saw the this the suicide squad trailer and i took my four-year-old daughter to see ghostbusters <laughs> she's almost five and she saw that movie and now she knows all the dc characters because she's my daughter and she sure. likes a lot of that stuff she saw harley quinn and i was like oh god i don't want my child exposed <laughs> to this. but her face lit up so bright when she saw that that was harley quinn uh-huh. and i'm like all right whatever i'm yeah. not gonna take you to go see this movie no but i'm glad that you like it yeah yeah but she was asking about suicide what's suicide squad i'm like i don't want to have to explain this to you five-year-old <laughs> no lesson for all you guys out there about taking your kids to go see movies they're probably not ready for. But anyway. Yeah. 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 There it is. Um, yeah, so that, that's the big one. And then on the DC side, they the, their big re- reveal is a poster of Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's a cool looking poster. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of nice. And- uh, yeah, the, the, the blue and orange that's I d- everywhere. I know people get upset about that, but it's like, that's kind of her colors, though. She has red and blue in her costume. Well, they didn't. Yeah, uh, it works, but yeah. yes, it's it's kind of a. I mean, it's a, it's an obvious cliche. And I know. I I'm always a big fan of like the Drew Struzan like, like oh sure yeah, those type of posters oh, is yeah. what I'm always excited about. Like I, like I want the something kind they don't really do anymore. No, and when they do, it's sort of a just a. Weird you know why shtick. they don't do it anymore? Because they did a lot of of, uh, of studies on it, and it turns out that a movie poster does nothing to see if a person wants to go see a movie or not anymore. Right. So they just yeah. generally just throw they stuff together. stopped putting yeah. any effort into it. Any effort whatsoever. Yeah. That's why all movie posters yeah. look exactly the same nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's not like the studios were just like, you know, I know the research suggests <laughs> that people love these gorgeous artistic trailers, but screw them. No, they did the uh, yeah. the research, and they were like, good, we can save money on this. Yeah. So no more fantastic nerds can complain about how trailer uh, about how uh, posters all look stupid now. And now every all like the great posters are coming out of like the you know the uh, Austin uh, what's that place called the uh, the Dr- Alamo Draft House all their oh, movie posters. Yeah, That's where all right. the good stuff comes yep. out of. But it's like oh, I miss the old old fashioned yeah. Drew Strews and stuff. Yeah. Uh, supposedly we're supposed to get um, new Wonder Woman like a new trailer is supposed to be dropping. I think. Um, I think it's actually supposed to be today, the day that we're... Or tomorrow, I think it's supposed okay. to be, is when it's Could supposed be. to come out. Yeah. Um, I also hear that we're supposed to get another uh, Star Wars Rogue One trailer supposed to be dropping very soon as well. Uh-huh. I know that's not technically comic books, but... Sure, yeah. Yeah, coming up, so I might as well. Mm-hmm. The other weird thing, though, that I have to say is there's not a lot of news coming out about any of the other DC stuff. I mean, there's some stuff about Justice League. Yeah, they were not... I think there's a lot of... I just saw something today that... It might have been from yesterday. I was catching up. Uh, but, um, yeah, stuff about, like, Aquaman hiring a new writer. You know, stuff like that. Like, the new... It, it sounds like it's still very yeah. pre-production, in development. I think they're going to... After what happened this year, I think they're really going to take their time. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of stuff about the Batman... Uh, Affleck Batman, including, like, you know when it's going to take place, what time mm-hmm. periods and stuff like that. There's a lot of discussion on that that yeah. was going on, but not a ton. I mean, it, it's kind of surprising that they were, that the only Wonder Woman thing that they really talked about was a poster. Like that's been the only thing I'm kind of waiting for to see the trailer. Like that's supposed to be the big thing. Um, 
And uh, just in terms of uh, our own personal movie stuff, Kevin and I both saw Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, I It's very movie. I liked it fine. It wasn't, yeah, it was, there was, it, it was a movie that had a lot of potential. Um, and it was a, it was just, it was bogged down by terrible, terrible the, cameos. Right. By trying to pay service to the original movie. Yeah. It once, any time that it, did its own thing that had nothing to do with the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then it Sorry would just be like... In. <laughs> that was my favorite joke in the entire thing. <laughs> that was funny. But then it also bothered me that, that Kate McKinnon was like, I thought that was Devo. And I was like, come on! You know the difference between DeBarge and Devo. If you've ever heard a Devo song... <laughs> There's not everybody cares as much about New Wave as me. <laughs> exactly. Or the song from The Last Dragon. <laughs> I suppose. Oh, man. Uh, but it was good. I, I, I liked it. I mean, it was not great. It was not one of my favorite movies of the year, but... Uh, I agree with you. I liked it yeah. just fine. I give it a C plus. I would say, like, it was like... It's a movie that was great. It was... Uh, not great. It was a movie that was good. It was just hampered completely by this feeling that you had to pay... These horrible, horrible cameos. Um, yeah. Like, and I mean, when some I s- were good. I I liked Bill Murray's. I thought Bill Murray had some fun with it. But that was like, um, it was a character that didn't need to be in that movie. No, oh, no, no, it didn't need to be there. But no. if it was going to be there, I was like, okay, do something like that. Um, but then, yeah, it was just the Dan Aykroyd one was. I think that the only like the Dan Aykroyd one I felt was just the uh, Annie Potts. I was like. Uh, yeah, the Sigourney Weaver one was just atrocious. That threw me. Yeah, yeah, that was just. I did not expect that at all. Didn't need it, to see it, it. Ernie Hudson comes on screen and acts like Ernie Hudson has never been in a movie before. <laughs> I'm like, man, you yeah. were in Congo. <laughs> you were in Congo. <laughs> and get it, it together, man. Get it together, man. But yeah, and it was. I think, and we talked about this too, is that Paul Feig has some like real issues with editing and uh in directing like major action yeah which is funny because i liked spy quite a bit Mm -hmm. and i i thought he did action very do it but the action in that one was different yeah the action in that one was very did you see it in 3d uh the ghostbusters no i heard that with the 3d and i saw a little example of it because we didn't see it in 3d either i heard the 3d was really good um and it turns out what it did, which I thought was really interesting, I kind of wish I saw it, was it was letterboxed, um, which normally you wouldn't see in a movie theater, and certain things and elements of the movie would actually break outside of hmm. the letterbox. So, like, the scene where they're, like, shooting up, uh, I think at the end I saw an image of it. Obviously, it was rendered 2D, but um, the the lasers from the proton packs um, are going beyond the letterbox of where everything else in the film is cut off and i guess some of the ghosts break out of that too and so it it sounds like 3d wise like at least it's kind of an inventive way to use that yeah didn't see it though yeah i mean like (laughs) and that's the problem is like old guys like us are like i don't want to see this in 3d yeah i don't want to pay uh six extra dollars yeah that's the problem is i don't want to pay six extra dollars for a movie that i don't know if it's going to be good or (laughs) not to make me a little nauseous (laughs) to make me a little nauseous yeah and uh, yeah and i i think that i kind of feel like probably some of the better improv bits that they did because you got to know that it was mostly improv all this stuff that was clear yeah were cut for a lower rating like they, they probably yeah, the he funniest, missed that r rating yeah the, for sure the funniest stuff was 
not there. Mm-hmm. And as I say, like I was talking about, some of the like the best jokes are when they slowed down and were able to do their own things. My favorite joke, hands down, in that entire movie, well, the DeBarge one, but I, that's just because I like puns. But is when um, they are at the beginning of the movie when I think yeah, he's, it's like this guy said it, and he's like. He's been dead for fifteen years. Oh, the Ed, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he like that Ed Bigley Jr. shows up. It's like, ah, and he's like, oh, that's Junior. That's his yeah, son. That's Ed Junior. He's like, well, that's <laughs> clearly <laughs> who I meant. <laughs> yeah, was that like, was a really funny bit. And, and, and it's like, that's what I wanted more of in the movie, and not gratuitously bad cameos. But. Sure. Round it up. Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3. The end of the Spider-Summer Spidey. I'm glad that you liked this movie, too. I think we liked it roughly the same. You might have liked it a little bit more because I liked Spider-Man 2 a little bit more. I was fully prepared to have to try to defend this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. A little bit because I just anticipated you hating it for some reason. <laughs> I thought why. Well, I, I and it was funny yeah. because last night I actually watched, of all things, I hadn't seen it in years uh, all the way through. Uh, I actually watched The Lost World, Jurassic <laughs> Park 2, uh, for like the first time in forever. The Vince and I was, Vaughn epic Jurassic World. In, well, uh, and I'm watching Lost this World. and I'm like, this movie's not that bad. Like, it was definitely not great. Um, yeah. You know, but, it's Spielberg. What are you going to do? Right. Well, I felt like I, I was I was going to sort of compare it to that of just like these are these these sequels that people don't like these malign sequels that I revisit now and I'm just like, well, they're they're not great, but I mean, there's a lot to like here. I like, love I Jurassic Park three. Three is definitely better than two. Yeah. This was this is definitely I I gave it the same rating that I gave Jurassic World last year. Yeah. So about like a C C minus. So I mean. But not a D, not anything lower than that. Uh, anyway, I'll give this movie a B minus. Um, I liked it. Uh, incidentally, that's about the same grade I gave the new Ghostbusters, uh, which is probably the same grade that I might give the original Ghostbusters if I weren't uh, blinded by nostalgia. I know um, for that movie. Um, I, I completely. Me and you had we, we had a we, nice we had long a little conversation bit of a, about a, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a little bit of a bummer that we don't get more because it feels like it ends a little, it leaves you hanging a little bit, but it also wraps it up fairly well um, in terms of the main character stuff. If you assume that their relationship is good now and they live happily ever after, even though you're not getting the, like, the, like, he's actually giving her that ring. Yeah. which is that's, nice that they don't do that, by the way. It is nice. He gives it back. He says, I'm not ready. And that's yeah. a really interesting. You want to talk about the way that he is, the redemption that he wants. I mean, he he realizes, like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still kind of a kid. Like, I'm still trying to deal with, and I'm a kid who also has these superpowers. And I've gone through all this stuff. And my best friend just died. He tried to kill me a bunch. <laughs> and then I was taken over by an alien 
that made me a douche. Luckily, that ghost butler was around. And then the ghost butler (laughs) solved everything. He was around for three movies and could have solved a lot of problems. (laughs) A lot of problems. He knew his place. (laughs) Until finally... You know, he had to. He must have died off screen somewhere (laughs) and then came up as a ghost. We didn't even realize he was a ghost. And he realized that, you know, I've got a I've got unresolved business here in the mortal plane. I wish that was played by Harry Dean Stanton. Hey. Yeah. You. So it wraps up. So it wraps up really well. Um, But it's so problematic and there's so much cringy stuff that happens. Um, But it's a comic book movie with three musical numbers. if, and finger guns. And finger And hair flips. The movie was two and a half hours long. And now you know how I feel about movies that are two and a half hours long. Yeah. Uh, two hours and 19 minutes, to be precise. If the, I think that the movie would have been better served. I, I, can't, I can't explain it. The movie. I think ten of those movie, ten of those minutes are the opening and closing credits. <laughs> Probably those are long. <laughs> well, the intro recap, the the opening credits recap both films. Yeah, they do. And then the closing credits are, of course, always you yeah. know six minutes long. Yeah. So, <laughs> finger gun attendant for Mister McGuire. <laughs> um, no, the I, I agree with. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's like B minus. Um, almost b level it's 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 inching up there it's more b minus heading towards b as opposed to b minus going down towards c plus sure um it's it's kind of a it's really it's what did we what did you give spider-man 2 you gave it a b plus i gave both of them b pluses i think you gave two a b minus yeah um and it's i like this one and i give it a b minus as more of a like good job as opposed to Spider-Man 2, I gave a B minus 2 because I was like, yeah, you could have done more. Quite do the thing. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we're looking back in hindsight on it. It's like Spider-Man 2 is supposed to be this critical darling and Spider-Man 3 is this kind of critical flop. Or, yeah. you know, that's not and a I think flop. It's but unfair. It, yeah. yeah. I think it's really unfair. And I, I say this one's heading up more towards the B side just because I think that if given that script another couple passes i mean like a couple passes like that script is not anywhere near where it should have been for filming that movie um editing it down yeah you know doing some making it a little more focused would have helped a lot but i think i think that it did fit well into the comic book world and i think that this i honestly think that the spider-man trilogy as a whole and now that we're at the end we can finally kind of sum it up the spider-man trilogy as a whole i think would have fit fairly well in the marvel universe sure I think yeah, it, I, tonally it's very similar. Yeah. Um, it's not as high tech and sort of flashy as those movies are, mm-hmm. um, but especially the early ones at the time. Like this movie has a lot in common tonally with like Thor. Yeah. And the first two Iron Man movies, you know, like it, it, it's there. It, it, yeah, it, it it would work. There's no reason that we couldn't have just included this. Yeah, and I I think you know overall one of my probably my biggest issue with this entire trilogy is Tobey Maguire being way yeah. too old for this part. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst looking tired and just not caring throughout this entire thing. Um, James Franco not given anything to do for two whole movies and then coming in at and the then end, giving everything, then get chewing on all of the scenery. Blowing Willem Dafoe in the first movie. 
Avenge me. But yeah, so uh, definitely a, a good closeout. I'm, I'm, I'm ex- more excited about Spider-Man 3 than I probably was back in the day. Sure. And I'm going to have to spend a lot of time going, no, Spider-Man 3 was actually pretty good. To a lot of people, I know, right? as opposed to, and being like, no, Thor is terrible. Stop liking <laughs> Thor. Uh, go to planetarbitrary.com for your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planet arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at at Kate White says like our Facebook page backslash game classy. Oh, God bless it. Backslash comic book logic <laughs> podcast. Um, you could also like our sister podcast, Game Classy, where we talk all about tabletop games and. Play on, a.k.a. Pat's Retro Video Game Review Podcast, where they talk all about video games. The best way you can help out our podcast is to like, comment, subscribe on iTunes or any of your other uh, feeds, whatever you want to use. Various. Yeah. Pod feed. God, pod catchers. Pod catchers. Mm -hmm. Whatever. If if you're downloading us and playing us on your Winamp, that's okay, too. (laughs) You can rate us on Winamp. Can you rate on Winamp? I don't know. I don't know. Just your own personal, like, four stars. Maybe. Maybe we make our own personal, like... The comic book logic screen, uh, like a uh, skin, skin. Yeah, back yeah. when we were making skins, <laughs> remember that, guys? Yeah, and they were all either the Matrix or anime boobs. <laughs> That's pretty much the only skins you could ever get. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a naked video game character. Uh, okay. That's good. I guess I'll do that one. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, it's the best way to help us out. Give us five stars. Say we suck, but as long as we get the five stars, that's all that matters. Uh, so, Kevin, uh, until uh, Suicide Squad is next, right? Probably. Until Quite the Suicide possibly. Squad. Ah, James Franco scowls. Comic, Blood, Logic, 